Oh. All right, today, guys, uh, this is Tech Talk with Jimmy Barnett and Stephen Grantham. Stephen Grantham. Stephen is a uh, he is a chiropractor. He is a uh, I get a firearms instructor, mm-hmm. and um, he's a, he's actually helped me with. Uh, with my firearm training, I've went and went out and shot with him some and tried to do that. And if you've never done that, you need to try it because there's a lot more to it than you would think. Definitely so. <clears throat> so today I was just going to have him on and have him talking about, um, you know, pretty much anything he wanted to, his, his, his practice, uh, his firearms, instruction, like the things that he done. I think he competed at Worlds. That's right. Competed at World Champion or, yeah, World Championship. Nice. Um, when was that last year? Uh, last October, actually. Nice. Yeah, it uh, was. Made, I reached a goal. So that was like one of your goals to uh, right. to compete at Worlds. It was actually my, the original goal was to compete at Nationals, which is like one step kind of below Worlds. They only hold Worlds every so often, like every four years, and so. Everything just happened to line up at the right time, and I made it to the world championship. That's pretty neat. Like, I couldn't imagine. I went out there and done those drills with you. Like, it is, like, with the timers and, uh, like, go. And now you, <laughs> now you got to go. And, like, you, you got to be on paper and everything else. Like, to me... I thought I could shoot because, like, I, I shot in the military. I shot. I hunted my whole life. And then I got out there, and then this timer goes, beep. <laughs> it changes things, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It, it's like, uh, uh, uh. And then you're, you're, you panic, and then you're like, boom, boom, and you shoot, you shoot two rounds and don't even, you're nowhere Go near. to paper. <laughs> yeah. You're nowhere near paper. And, and then you're looking at me like, well, you going to put some on the paper? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you told me you could shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I never claimed to be a, a, a good shot. I just oh. know how to shoot. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> nah. Yeah, that's the amazing thing about when uh, I work with uh, clients and work with people, you know, uh, they all talk about, you know, hey, I shoot or I grew up shooting out in the backyard, beer cans and so forth. And um, we take them out on the range, and um, it's a very formal event, if you will, because of the safety reasons. And um, when you put that timer on them, that just changes everything because of that stress. And uh, more of my slant and what I do in my competitive uh, uh, shooting is the defensive pistol. And I get a lot of calls to uh, train clients in defensive pistol and personal self-defense and using firearms. And, um, you know, everybody doesn't really understand or realize that that is an extremely stressful situation. And so one of the tools that we have available to us is using the timer. And that gives you that stress element, even though that's still nowhere close to what a real life scenario would be. And um, things change quite a bit as far as accuracy and the adrenaline starts rushing. <laughs> it changed it for me a lot, yeah. like just having a timer. And then um, I'm very competitive by nature, mm-hmm. like because of what I do here, jujitsu, and like I've revol- my whole life has been around fighting and uh, martial arts, and so and uh, I'm very competitive. Right. And I would watch you. And you'd be like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and then 
I'm like, oh, I got to do that? Yeah. Like, I've never done anything yeah. like this before, <laughs> and now I got to do that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to keep up. Yeah. And, man, when that timer goes off and you're trying to be competitive and you, you haven't uh, ever done anything like this, it is uh, it's eye-opening for one. Yeah. And then for two, it was uh, – like, I still wanted to be competitive. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, like, I had to, I'm like, no, I want to do it again. Yeah. No, I want to do it again. And it's addictive. It's like, yeah. it's really, like, I want to go, like, every week I'm like, hey, I wonder if he's going to shoot. Because yeah. I want to go shoot. <laughs> Most of the times I am. <laughs> <laughs> but you say, well, really, I mean, you know, if you really stop and think about it, Jimmy, it's not, in, not that different than, um, like, with the jiu-jitsu you do here. You know, I mean, I have put in thousands of hours in practice and thousands of reps and uh, kind of give you an idea. Last year alone, I shot over 9,000 rounds. Uh, so that's Ooh. that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as far as it not being really that much different, um, you know, when I step in here in the gym and get on the mat, which I'm a newbie, you, know, <laughs> and you guys start talking about need a belly and you rear naked choke and, and it's like, okay what do i do you know where do i go and you just put in the reps and the time in in, in the martial arts and so you know that's really the only difference so um i got one more thing i wanted to bring up if that's okay sure um you you have a channel uh what's it what is it called and what is it about? what is it about uh youtube channel you're talking about yeah so like you uh you sit like I, I watch some of your your stuff and you're talking about um like um shooting and shooting for a cause and and that type of thing and uh absolutely yeah uh the name of my channel is zero dot down or zero down underscore parkinson's and um on my jerseys that's actually the cause that i shoot for is parkinson's disease um and it's believe it or not why i actually got into competing i'm like you um competitive by nature and so essentially you know at 2018 about two years ago um i began to have some trouble and some issues some physical health issues and um we went from doctor to doctor to doctor and nobody could really seem to figure it out and lo and behold that's what the final diagnosis came back as. And I'm like, you know, and they're like, it's unusual at my age, obviously, being young like that. And um, so at that point in my life, it was kind of like, no, you, you, you guys have it all wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And um, I already uh, enjoyed shooting and it was something, competing with something that I wanted to do. And so, as I really sat down and it, it made me take a really good look inside as to who I was and what I wanted to accomplish. And so I kind of said, you know what? I've always wanted to compete. What better time than now? You know, I'm not going to sit, no, sit around and feel sorry for myself. I'm not going to sit around and waste any more time or life. And uh, if I can go out and when you see me on the, uh, on the uh, field, uh, uh, Parkinson's Foundation was a partial sponsor and so their logo I always wear on my jersey and and that's why but the biggest reason was to go out and show people even though you have a condition that can affect you physically um, there's no reason to quit or there's no reason to give up 
you know, and if I can just touch one person's life and show them, hey, if he can do it, I can do it too, then um, my, my mission will be accomplished. So there's a lot bigger purpose behind the competitive shooting than just going out and having fun. And so, hence, that's why going to nationals was a major goal of mine, you know, um, because I'm competing against guys that are not only younger than me, but they don't have that type of physical issue where muscles are really stiff and tight and, and it slows you down. And obviously in that sport, speed is a, is a primary concern. <laughs> but, you know, I simply find ways to offset those things or those deficiencies so that I can continue to, to do what I love to do. And like I said, if it helps one person, then the mission's accomplished. The grand old uh, thing when there's, where there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. Exactly. And um, just to, to hit on that, like you're doing jiu-jitsu now. Yeah. And you're uh, doing kickboxing some mm -hmm. and things like that with us. How much of a shock was that when you first walked through the door? For jiu-jitsu? Um, it was a little bit of a surprise because of how different it is. I had done some martial arts in the past when I was much younger. Ambulance going yeah, somewhere. Yeah, I hear that. Oh my goodness. Hope everything's okay. I don't even know if the, the mics picked that up or not. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. But, uh, so it, it was really more or less of a difference than it was a shot. So I'd done uh, Taekwondo, like we've talked about before, uh, but I'd never done any of the grappling. And uh, so, so that was a huge difference for me. <laughs> it was kind of like Okay, I'm not sure if I like being or having somebody in my personal space that close, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, so we, uh, we, ha we had you come in uh, for kickboxing first. Yeah. And then I, I talked to you, I hoodooed you into doing jiu-jitsu. Well, you also had an unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, like seeing what you do and what you what you you've accomplished and done and going through and everything with uh, with Parkinson's and then like you still have a, a practice and you and you're like in here on the mats and um how how old are you? I turned fifty this past May. So the whole I'm too old for that. It don't doesn't apply. Doesn't apply at doesn't all. Doesn't apply. No. And, uh, you know, it's like you and I, of course, you know, you've come out to the house and we've talked in the past and uh, really it just boils down to mindset, Jimmy. Yeah. It's just plain and simple mindset. And uh, you'll find, you, I know you kind of talk sometimes and pick at me about my principles and concepts that I talk about a lot. Um, but I love principles because you can take them to the bank and count on them. And, um, you know, one principle that I find that carries throughout all of, all of life, whether it's, um, you know, uh, not only do I have the practice and, and run a full-time practice, I also do real estate investing on the side um, here in the gym a couple of nights a week. Uh, also, I've got, uh, I'm a certified dive master. Uh, scuba diving, um, a private pilot, so I fly aircraft. And um, the one thing that carries throughout the entire spectrum is simply having a made-up mind, persistence and determination. And you'll find, you know, no matter whether you're trying to accomplish uh, something, uh, say, for example, even a small task, all the way to being uh, ultra-successful, whatever success is for you, 
um, and it's different for everybody, um, but you have to have that made-up mind and that determination because if you don't, you essentially go nowhere. You, know, you, you stay right where you're at. So, yeah, I, that was one of the main reasons I wanted you on my podcast is to talk about your principles and the principles of life. And um, because uh, you share with me constantly, like, that's a principle of life. And then you give me your rule. Mm -hmm. That's a principle of life. And then you give me another rule. And I absolutely love them because I kind of live by these principles mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. And then you like put it into words like how I feel about certain things, and I'm like, that's that's right. Mm -hmm. Well, one of my uh, I'm on I'm on murder. I'm gonna destroy this principle, so you got to <laughs> fix it for me. But it, you say uh, logic and reason can't occupy the same space. Is that absolutely? So when you told me that, it really changed how I debate. It really changed how I because I debate. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love debating, and I always play devil's advocate. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tighten up your definition just for a split second. I'm, excuse me for interrupting. Um, now that it's had time to fully register, uh, emotion and reason cannot occupy the same space as the actual principle. Right. So, yeah, emotion and reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I said logic. Yeah. Emotion and reason can't occupy the same So since you've told me that mm -hmm. like i like i said i love to debate and i'm always i'm a troll yeah so and what i mean by troll is like if i know you're passionate about this yeah. one thing i always take that i play a devil's advocate right. i always take the other stance <laughs> always and i have enough uh i have enough experience arguing with people or debating with people or whatever that usually what i do is I'll take one stance with one of my friends. Mm -hmm. And then when they give me all of their reasons and stuff against mine, uh, what I'm doing and what I'm saying, I'll just, I'll just hammer down on the ones that I'm sure about. Mm -hmm. And I'll change their mind a little bit. Yeah. But sometimes it, it don't work. Right. Well, but then I'll take their same arguments and sharpen them up. And, when, and I'll debate with another one of my friends that felt <laughs> the other way. Right. And I take the complete opposite stance. Yeah. And um, I have friends that think, like, to this day, that I'm the, like, the, the so far left Democrat <laughs> that, uh, like, I have no, no common sense. Jimmy Barnett. And then I, yeah. <laughs> but then I have other friends that think I'm so far right yeah. and so embedded in that that I'm, I'm fashion, you know, like I'm, uh, like I'm just a, a, way right wing. Yeah, <laughs> way right, right, way right wing. Oh, uh, you're just right a constant wing. moving target then. And uh, <laughs> but the truth is, I lie, I lie, almost dead, dead in the middle. Yeah. And I'm not a political person at all. Uh -huh. Like uh, I care about certain rights, like gun rights. I care about. Yeah. There's certain things that I care about that I'm very that I will like. This is one of my my beliefs, and I, I don't play with. Yeah, I don't play with that. Right. But there's there's other things that I don't I don't care enough about to mm -hmm. yeah. like really have a hard set in cement feeling because yeah. I'm not educated enough like in that particular subject mm -hmm. to have a valid opinion. Does that right. make sense? It makes perfect sense, you know. And um, you you kind of also touched on a point as well. Um, you know when 
one of my mentors uh, always told me, again, he gave me that when emotion and reason can't occupy the same space. But um, a lot of times uh, people I find just, they really don't know what their core values are. And so they're always straddling the fence or they're wishy-washy back and forth. And so that's one thing, you know, a lot of times people will come and ask me, okay, I see, you know, what you've done in your life, how you've made it, and, um, you know, what, what do you suggest or where should I start? And, and that's one of the things that I can't emphasize enough is that you have your core values solidified. And, you know, there's, there's that line in the sand, I guess you would say, that no matter what happens, this is going. This is my core value, and I'm not going to bend it or you play know, around with it. Play around with yeah. it, exactly. And um, you know, it, it makes a huge difference. It it does. And there's um, something that I seen a, a thing I was actually going to post later for Tech Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a Father's Day thing, and it said, uh, "Name a." It's like name a, something that your dad taught you that you've carried with you mm-hmm. your whole life. And the thing that my dad really drove into me is you have two things in this world that no one can take from you. Mm-hmm. There's everything else can take. Everything else can be taken. Mm-hmm. Everything. But there's two things that cannot be taken from you. That's your name, name. and your word. word. You cannot have one without the other exactly and that's one of my core values is like if i tell you something like you can take it to the bank and that's the way it should be you know um because that speaks to character Uh, and uh unfortunately uh, we don't see a lot of that in today's society or we see characters but characters who lack integrity and um you know i think unfortunately that's why we have some of the the uh, events occurring that are occurring um but Character counts, and um, you know if you're not, your word's not dependable, or or you don't carry through or follow through on your word, then you know if you can forget about climbing the ladder or being successful in any area of life. And one of the best definitions that I came across about character was, um, it's what you do when nobody's looking. That's true character, and um, so you know. As far as your ethics and integrity, um, you know, if you're willing to do it and follow through when nobody's looking or, or watching you, so to speak, rather than when you're out on the stage of life, you know, it's easy to be, be ethical or, be, or have integrity or, or to um, be a stand-up guy when everybody's watching or looking. But, uh, you know, are you that same stand-up guy when nobody's watching you? And that's a you know, big difference there. Yeah, I think, uh, I think basically what you do and like me personally i'm the same person regardless and you should be and i think that um i think that's what separates me from a lot of a lot of other people is like um my friend all my friends tell you like if i tell you i'm, I'm gonna do something for you mm-hmm. i go do it i may not be on time well i was gonna say we might we're gonna have to talk about that one now <laughs> yeah. I may not be on time, guys, yeah. but I'm coming, and everybody knows. Right. Uh, Chase and I was talking about this yesterday. Uh, he wanted me to come over and help him with something, mm-hmm. and his wife Roxy was like, uh, "Is he coming? You need to call him." He's like, "Jimmy's coming. Yeah, he's gonna be here." Like we didn't give him a time. It's gonna be an afternoon. Mm-hmm. He's coming though. I know he's coming. I don't have to call him and ask. Right. I yeah. know he will be here today. 
And she was like, are you sure? And she's, he's like, I know he's coming. Yeah. He said, like, he's never on. But if we if he did give me a time, if he said 5 o'clock, we can make plans up to 7. He'll be yeah. here about 7. About 7. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll be here. But he'll be here. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So it's, it's one of those things where, uh, like, I try really, really hard. And I'm sure there, I, there's things happen and stuff that, that made me not a man of my word in in the past, but everyone that knows me knows that that is that 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 is not one of the things that like it is reoccurring. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do what I say I'm gonna do, and and I'm constantly working on myself mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm better or that I'm uh, more um, like in line with what who I want to be. Right. And uh, Stephen and I were talking about that, and it's kind of like pretend to be who you want to be, mm-hmm. and eventually you'll become that person. What do you think about that? Um, to a degree, I guess I would agree with that. Uh, another way of putting it, I've always heard, is fake it till you make it. But I don't like the, using the word fake it. Um, you know, you're, we're always striving to be a better version of ourselves, or at least we should be. Right. And, um, you know, certain, certain circumstances or situations sometimes may be in such a way that you're not able to fulfill your word. And, and things happen, you know, and I get that. And so, you know, if that are, is the case in a certain um, scenario, then obviously you would want to call the individuals and say, hey, you know, as soon as you find out. You know, some this has changed. Can we do this different way, or can we do this? Uh, you know, do something else other than I'm not going to be able to fulfill the obligation or fulfill you know what I told you I would do, but I want to do that as much as I possibly can. But because of X, Y, Z, it's not going to be able to happen. And I think if you really communicate with people like that, and um, you know, yeah, and 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 you know. Fake it till you make it. Uh, obviously, as you're working on yourself, you know how. How do you get good at jujitsu? How do you get good at shooting? Show up. You show up. You continual practice, putting the time in, putting the reps in. It's no different than in life, and you know that's what I love about uh, the principles in shooting and jujitsu. They're all. It's all applicable to life, and to your success as an individual in life. And again, you know. Um, like I said, success is different for everybody. Um, you know, I'm not talking about going out and making $2 million a year and owning, you know, a 50 foot yacht down in the Caribbean. That's not necessarily success for everybody. Some, sure. But showing up, you know, putting in the time and you're assimilating that character and you're learning uh, the traits that are required to go along with that version of you that you want to be. So, you know, yeah, I would agree with what Stephen said on that. On that point it's one of those things to me where i, f- I see a trait in someone mm-hmm. i see something in someone that i'm like man i really like that mm-hmm. i'm gonna start doing that mm-hmm. and um i had a mentor early on and he just smiled at people mm-hmm. and i the first time i met him i was like man, that's weird yeah like he just looked at me and he smiled <laughs> but then i realized i was smiling back and I realized that because he smiled at me, he changed my mood. 
it made me smile back. And and I asked him, I said, what, you know, like, I see what just happened or whatever, but why do you smile on everybody? He said, that no matter what kind of day I'm having, uh, my day, uh, you know, he said, you don't know what's going on in my day. But I can smile at you and make your day better. Mm-hmm. And he says, so I choose to smile. And I choose to have a good attitude. And um, he said, people used to say, oh, no sense in complaining. Nobody listened anyway. And he said, it holds truth. He said, but I'll do you one better. He said, instead of complaining or, or even getting people to talk about what they're feeling bad about, mm-hmm. he said, you smile at them. And you let them know, but through your smile and through your actions, is like, hey, things are things are not as bad. You'll they'll be better. You're like, just switching your mood mm-hmm. will change how you feel about a certain situation. Oh, absolutely. And um, I it really I didn't understand it back then, like what he was saying, but I see it in the gym now. I'll see people come in, they're just like, oh. I'll see the kids come in, oh, and they don't want to be there. And I go, hey, guys, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, everybody. Uh, Doc's here today, or or Mr. Stevens here today, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. And just having that little interaction, you'll see the energy come back to them. And and you can, I can see it in people just by smiling at them or just by holding a small conversation and being positive, it literally changes their entire outlook. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's enough fear, doubt, and insecurity in the world. Um, you know, there's so much negativity, and um, it, it has its effect on people. And so just by you, and again, you made a great choice of words there, whether you choose to have a good mood or not, whether you choose to have a good attitude or not, because that's literally what it is, choice. Um, and then we could go down that rabbit hole talking about, you know, you can either uh, have a choice which puts you in control of a situation or you can allow a situation to have an effect on you and that dictate, you know, what your mood's going to be in your response to people. Um, but, you know, that, that little gleam of positivity and, um, you know, adding it to that person's life, again, you don't know what that individual has been through um, outside the doors uh, before they walk in into your gym. And, and the same is true in, in my office. And we talk about this uh, with the staff. And, you know, you know, you never know what that individual's dealing with. And um, just that smile makes a world of difference in, in little things, you know. Um, we talk about that as well. You know, success is found in the details. Uh, one thing that we do is uh, before the advance of technology, uh, we used to hand uh, sign birthday cards and send them to patients. And the reason was because, you know, obviously we care about them. And a lot of times you don't necessarily see or get feedback that what you're doing is making a difference. And so you kind of get to a, a place sometimes where you're like, well, this, there's really no point in doing this. Why are we even wasting the money and the time in doing this? Until one day, somebody called me that we had sent a birthday card to. and They literally took the time out of their day to pick the phone up. And um, they told me, said, you know, thank you for that birthday card. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah you're welcome. You know, no big deal. We really appreciate you. And that, no, you don't understand. 
like, okay, um, so help me understand. I said, that's the only birthday card I got from anybody. And I was like, wow. And he's like, my family didn't even give me a birthday card. Nobody made a thing of it, but your office made a big deal out of it. That meant a lot. And so, again, you know, going back to no matter what you say, do, or think, you never know how far-reaching it is and how impactful it will be. Yeah. Um, I I had the same kind of incident, like, with the gym. And um, I get more feedback, though, because inside a gym, it's a family thing. Like, everybody here, we're, we're all here for different reasons. We're all, like, we all there's different political sides of the aisle. It really is a big melting pot of people and we're all here for our different reasons. But uh, I hear it all the time. If you look at our reviews, it the, the thing that we get the most is like, I'm always feeling bad or I got all this other stuff going on in my life. But when I get to your gym, it always re-energizes me and makes me feel better. Absolutely. I always feel better when I leave than when I when I got there. Yeah, and uh, I think that's because I pushed uh, the guys that helped me and that staff to really focus on like um, make sure that people are having fun while they're learning. Mm-hmm. Make sure that um, when they leave from here, they had a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. It's not hard to do when you're doing something that you truly love doing. Do. Right. Yeah, exactly. it's not hard to do at all. Yeah. But we even on the days that I'm down or whatever, because I have down days too. Oh, sure. When I step on the mat and I start grappling and people start joking and cutting up with me, and I got my kids like, I'm going to beat you, and they, they paint that target on me like I'm the greatest <laughs> thing ever and I'm that best <laughs> I'm the I'm the next level, you know. That's like, right. You're Coach Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. So when they post that picture on me, like it it even when I'm down, my gym brings me up and it makes me feel good. And then when like when I can't do it, like when I can't grapple or whatever because of like a skin infection or I feel bad or I broke broke something or whatever. Yeah. Like this quarantine. Yeah, like you when, miss it, right? Man, I, I become a different person. I'm not a happy person when I, I don't have this. Right. And um, I think that falls into, you know, doing something that you love, but also creating an environment in your life mm-hmm. that builds you to grow and builds you to be better you. Absolutely. I, I tell my kids this all the time, like, and I don't think people really get how deep it is or – but I tell them all the time, like, you are creating your life. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, what you're allowing people to say to you, what the people you're allowing in your life, the people that you are giving your time to, the people that you are spending time with, and that includes the internet. Mm-hmm. That, that includes Especially. your social media. Yeah. So, like, when you're giving your time to this, you're allowing them to influence who you are. You're allowing this negative or positive energy to affect your daily life and you have to be very very like picky about what you allow oh, in absolutely you know i agree 100 percent with that um my mentor always told me he had the principle uh you wallow with pigs you're gonna get muddy you know <laughs> so <laughs> you know fly with the eagle or uh, peck with chickens and you'll be a chicken 
you know, who you hang around with has a direct influence on you, whether you realize it or not, in some form or fashion, and it will show up in your life. Um, so, yeah, you have to be extremely selective about, you know, who your friends are, what you allow into your mind, because, of, you know, you go back to the old saying, uh, thoughts form words, and words form, was it action, action forms character, and that creates your destiny. It all begins with a thought. And so if you're constantly feeding your mind negative stuff, then that's what's going to come out. You know, just like a, a computer, you put junk in it, you're going to get junk out of it. Um, but watching who you associate with, and, and that's something, too, that you'll find that you can, I'll tag on to that as well. Um, if you're surrounded, as you climb in whatever arena that you're in, that you're striving to be successful, whether it's, you know, a great parent, um, a role model in the community, uh, whatever it may be, you'll find that the higher you climb, the smaller the circle gets. And sometimes people kind of will struggle with that and say, well, gosh, I don't have very many friends. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that because, you know, you always want to be around somebody that's at the same level or higher than you. Uh, you know, if somebody's at your level or below, chances are they're not going to be able to stimulate you mentally or bring, you know, present new ideas or new concepts for you to think over and say, you know what, maybe that's something um, that I'd like to begin trying to use in my life or applying to my life. And so, you know, definitely you have to watch that circle and influence. Yeah, I think it's like they're not on the same level of thinking mm -hmm. as you. And no, that's, that's all it is, is um, your earlier friends was uh, your you're partying or you're like we go to school together or whatever and then you get into your field of choice and you have less in common you're around each other less because you're not doing the same things now you're being influenced by a whole nother thing and then when you look at it in the world of business the majority of people don't understand business this is true i, I went through it uh, I went through that, and then I was like, man, nobody's on my team. Nobody, nobody is helping me reach my goal. Nobody's like, everybody was talking about what they wanted to do and their dreams and all these dreams that they, they wanted to reach, and I'm like, let's reach them. Mm -hmm. And I, I put forth this mental attitude of this is what I want to do, so I'm going to do this and this and this to get there. And then I realized, like, as I was working to get there, people were just falling off left and right. right. And it's not that they didn't necessarily want to do the work. Mm -hmm. It's just that it wasn't as important to them to be where, like, I was wanting to get to. Right. And now, even in owning a gym and running this business, I come across people all the time that say they want to do things, but then when it gets down to it and you actually have to do it, a lot of people just don't want to do it. Oh, of course not. And um, one of the reasons I found for that is because it's hard work. You have to put the time in, you know, regardless. Um, and in, in business is no different. It requires a lot of time, a lot of hard work. And some people just aren't committed to putting in that work that's required to accomplish the goal that uh, you set out. And um, sometimes you'll find that even people will fall away because of their own insecurities. Uh, you know, oh, well, he's got this or he's doing that. And 
I'm not quite there yet, so I'll kind of pull back or, or withdraw. Um, so, yeah, the circle gets much, much smaller the higher you go with it. Yeah, you said people pull back away because of their insecurities. You'll, you'll have people that are really close to you uh, start looking at your life and then feel some type of way mm-hmm. about their life, and then they will pull away. Mm-hmm. They'll pull away. Yeah, and and then some, some some of those people start talking bad about you and what you're doing, and not because of anything you did, right. but because of how they feel about their their life and what they had going on exactly. in their life. So they have these insecurities, and so they try to start tearing you down, so to speak. And uh, one of my mentors had a great concept for that one. He called it crabs in the bucket. And I looked at him when he told me that, and I said, Doc, I mean, what, what do you mean crabs in a bucket? He said, people like crabs in a bucket. He said, you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, you know you don't ever have to put a top on it and worry about them getting out. I said, why? He said, because every time one starts to climb up the wall and starts getting close to the top, all the ones in the bottom reach up and pull him back down. It's life concept. So you have to be very selective for that circle of friends. Makes sense. And um, like I said, I've experienced that mm-hmm. same thing. And it... And you'll, if you look around in your life, if you really look around in your life and you want to do something, you'll see, like, people do it and they don't even realize they're doing that to you, that they're pulling you down. They don't, and some, a lot of times it's disguised in a form of safety. Like, people that love you or people that care about mm-hmm. you don't want to see you try and fail. They don't want to see you hurt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I and, agree with that. And so you, if you look at your circle, you could probably point the person out. Mm-hmm. You could look around and say, like, this, is, this person's holding me back from my full potential or from what I, what I want to do or pursue. Because uh, this gym is a good example of that. And I, I'm just speaking from my personal experience. I had a guy who is a, he's a millionaire right now. Like, and I say millionaire, I mean like, he makes like four million, two million, three, four million a month. Oh wow! Like that's that's his residual income, I guess is how you say that. Like he gets that monthly, mm-hmm. and um, he nice, told me nice cash flow. Yeah, he has good <laughs> cash flow. I want to talk to you about that a little bit okay. too. But uh, he has good cash flow. Like he has a lot of assets. His money makes money. Whatever. Mm-hmm. He said, "Don't open your gym in Eastman." Really? Do not open your school in Eastman. It'll never make it. It's, huh. it's a stupid move. Yeah. Um, and then I had family members, do not open a gym in Eastman. You're just throwing your money away. Yeah. Don't do it. Do not do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, I grew up around Eastman. I have a lot of people there. There's nothing for the kids to do. I'm tired of seeing kids grow up on drugs mm-hmm. because there's nothing in their town that keeps them positive. Um, Captain Parks was like over the star program here and he helped me change my mindset when I was a kid and I wanted to do that for people like he did that for me mm-hmm. and uh, against everybody telling me not to open a school here well I, I mean that's a worthy goal and it certainly it's you know something that's needed especially nowadays um, 
But, you know, in my experience, Jimmy, when you're dealing with someone in your life that usually is supposedly loved one or family or, you know, yeah, you have to be able to take that, that, that information or what they're saying and weigh it out and put it through the filters and say, okay, is this legitimate or is it not? Uh, a lot of times what I've found is that it, it's not legitimate, a legitimate concern. It, it, like I stated earlier, the world's full of enough you know, self-doubt, insecurity, fear, and negativity, fear being one of those. And so what we find typically with people, you know, really are hung up on the security thing, whether from, you know, job, paycheck, benefits, you name it. it, it it's, a, it's an emotion that's driven by fear. And, um, you know, fear of loss, typically. And so you have to be able to stand back or distance yourself from all of it. And I think that's, you know, a very valuable quality in a leader uh, is to be able to stand back and say, okay, well, let's see what's going on here and let's take this and, and how does this fit into what we're doing or what we're not doing? You know, I'm not telling you to jump into something reckless, um, but, um, you know, you have to be able to, to look at it and evaluate it and see what it is for its own merit. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm over here messing with the camera. Sorry. Okay. I'm all distracting. Like, we're moving trying to, things you're around. trying to make me look prettier. Yeah. Man, it, it just ain't working. I don't know. <laughs> you only got so much to work with. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, so, like, me, I did it anyway. Yeah. I, um, I knew that there's only 4,700 people populated in Eastman. Mm -hmm. But I made a calculated risk based on Walmart. Uh, that sounds silly, don't based it? Based on Walmart. It was based on Walmart. Yeah. That's why I chose Eastman. I was like, um, I could have done it in McCray, mm -hmm. um, and which is which is okay. It's in the middle too, mm -hmm. um, but this is like middle of everywhere right. for jujitsu. Period. Oh, really? Yeah. So you go uh, three hours. You go to Jacksonville mm -hmm. tournaments. You go three hours uh, north Atlanta. Tournaments, that's it. Yeah, Jacksonville, Atlanta. Wow. Uh, you have the Rush Cup in Macon every now and then, but that's only happened recent years. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're three hours away from all the tournaments. Well, there is a uh, right here. There is a dead spot for jujitsu. Mm -hmm. If I would have done it in Douglas, first, you're thirty minutes away from a jujitsu school. You're an hour away from a jiu-jitsu school. If you wanted to be in Eastman, Georgia, into jiu-jitsu, you had an um, hour and 30-minute drive. Mm -hmm. One way. One way. If you wanted to do jiu-jitsu in Eastman. Wow. And then I was looking. I was like, well, we need jiu-jitsu in this circle of area. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Eastman, because it has the only Walmart. Yeah. It's, not, it's actually not crazy. McCray don't have a Walmart. Right. Ryan don't have a Walmart. Mylon mm -hmm. don't have a Walmart. Like it's it's the only one. Like for all those areas, if you're living in Scotland and you want to go to Walmart, you're coming to Eastman. Right. <laughs> like um, so, I, I looked at that and well, I was. We like, have a Scotland in Georgia. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm thinking yeah. UK. <laughs> nah, you, uh, yeah. Come That's a long way to go from listen, Walmart. Listen, <laughs> if you're coming from the UK and you're going to Walmart, stop by Eastman. Stop by Eastman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a Scotland on the other yeah. side of McRae. Oh, okay. 
and it, you, it, you're probably uh, close to the um, closer to Baxley and Hazelhurst, Walmart. I see. Maybe it's about. It depends on which side of Scotland you're on. Okay. Whether you come to our Walmart or their, or their Walmart. Walmart. I yeah. Got you. But that's that was my point. Yeah. And um, I was like, nah, there's people driving Eastman. And I said, well, I'll, I'll put a school there. Now I own, I literally own one of the most successful mixed martial arts schools around. And I, I truly feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of the, the most successful. And I'm sure a lot of guys in the industry would, would agree. That's awesome, man. Like what we're doing here is, is amazing because our, our, it's our kids program. Like we invest in a lot of our kids. We just graduated like um, 11 kids from our kids program to our adult program. Oh wow! That's wow. why that's why our adult program got so big. We kept them all the way from like 10, 11, 12 years old, and now they're sixteen and seventeen. Awesome! And here we are. Uh, this is our sixth year, and we're moving them into the adult program. And it was it was really cool. It is cool, man. Yeah, I noticed there was like a big generational difference when I came in. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's like you got the really young kids, guys, and then you got the really old guys. <laughs> yeah, so like our adult program, uh, it it's always been like I, I would call it my program subpar. Yeah, not because of the training, but not a lot of people in the older generation know what jujitsu is or are cared about it to cared enough to change their lifestyle to start doing it. But I started a movement here. Like, there's kids now that grew up doing this. Yeah, that's awesome. And now they're a part of our adult program. I actually have one kid, uh, or two. I have two kids right now that will be instructors at my school. How about that? That there's no hand, no no if ands or buts about it. If they stick around, they will be paid instructors at my school, and I, and I know that because yeah. they're so good at jujitsu. And, you know, I really wish uh, one of the things that I would like to see um, are more adults actually getting into it. Um, you know, but like you said, that for some reason, whatever reason, they don't. Of course, again, that kind of ties back to excuses. Um, too old, time, you know, it's a, what are you committed to, what's priority. Um, and kind of tagging back on to uh, – being a pistol instructor and, and teaching a lot of defense pistol work, that's one of the things that I actually encourage all of my students to do is to go, if it's not here with you at this gym, go somewhere and get some form of training um, because the fight's not always going to be where you can use a firearm. Um, and statistically speaking, more often times than not, uh, it's actually going to be a more of a hand-to-hand type scenario. And so, you know, I want my people prepared as best as they can possibly be prepared. And um, But, yeah, so I'd like to see more adults actually taking these classes. I do, too, um, because, I like, martial arts changed my life a lot. And speaking of principles and stuff, you know, and you saying pretend it to or fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm or pretend to be the person you want to be, and eventually you become that person. If you do it long enough, you create habits around uh, core values. Mm-hmm. And um, martial arts really done that for me. It, I couldn't keep a regular job because I, I get bored real easy. 
like once I figure something out, I want to move on to something else. Like I figure it out, and I'm like, okay, I can do this, mm-hmm. and now I want something more challenging. Oh, so you're a perpetual tinker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, um, I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, or whatever. Yeah. But I, the funny thing is, is I, I'm a perfectionist. So I have to do things the right way. And it's not always a good thing. I went and helped Steven yesterday. Mm-hmm. And like he went to put his wall pad up. And he had stuck the, the 3M tape a little too high. Mm-hmm. And then he peeled it off the wall. What did it do to the wall? It pulled the paint. It pulled the paint. And the, 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 the sheetrock paper. Oh, it, like tore, wow. it tore deep. Oh, man. Because this is like that 3M. It's, it's staying Super there. For 3M. Yeah. It's staying. <laughs> and um, he called me. He was like, hey, man, I want to just kind of pull this down and like make it look okay uh-huh. and put it back. Can you help me? I was like, yeah, I got there. And I looked at it, and I was like, okay, it's going to take about like today and tomorrow. <laughs> like, so we will. So a 30-minute job turned into two days. Yeah. Well, I told him. I was like, I, I told him that because I, I didn't want to overpromise. Okay. But. I ended up, like, taking everything down, moving his mask back, and, like, mud in the wall. Oh, wow. And then, like, sanding and mudding again and then painting. Uh-huh. And he's like, well, I thought you were just going to, like. <laughs> just uh, move the mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, move it down. And, like, I'm like, well, no, I can't leave the wall. I can't leave the wall looking like yeah. that. And um, so, like, something that I, it, a normal, like, handyman person would have would have come in and just like threw some paint over and like left a, a band-aid on the wall yeah. so to say i spent all day like fixing it wow and and then but that's what i was saying is like i'm not a mud i'm not a sheetrock guy yeah. i don't i don't know how to do that but when i do something yeah i try to do it the way the professional would do it that's actually like you see these cameras and stuff i don't that's know how to I don't know how to. I don't know how to do all this. Oh, you look genius to me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like we have, we have the cameras and the mics. Yeah. I did all this myself. Awesome. I, the editing that's done, I learned how to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I could make a. I could make a Marvel movie now. I think. Oh wow! Like I think I'm that good. The Incredible Hulk. Huh? Yeah, I could. I could make you look thicker. Oh, give yeah. me some biceps. <laughs> but I, I truly believe that that's what sets me apart from the rest of the world is that I, I do things the I try to do it the right way. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Jimmy, is character. That yeah. speaks that speaks volumes to your character. And that, you know, and that's again ties back into integrity. You know, anything worth doing is worth doing right. Right. Regardless of what it is. So and I, that's what I want to teach the new generation of kids and that's what I want to bring in and uh, I think that the because of martial arts mm-hmm. it has disciplined me to be a more reliable better person all around mm-hmm. because like I said I job hopped I would get bored and then I'm like I can't do this anymore I'm not happy mm-hmm. and uh, mind you're building your life which is what we were saying earlier and I get into a job and it gets like repetitive or whatever and I'm like Nope, can't do this. I'll do it two or three years, and then I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then I'll try something different, and I'll do it two or three years. I've been doing this at this school for six years. Oh, wow. And I've been doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for 19 years. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
and I still learn stuff. And I, every role is different. Like every day on the mat is different. And it gave me purpose. It's how I help people. Mm-hmm. And I, I spoke with Steven about that. And that's what I love about it. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to understand that we're not in here beating each other up. No, no. And that, I think that's a thing that I say on every single podcast. It's gonna you get do. it's gonna get repetitive, but I want the world to understand like sure. how valuable this is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, tying back into that, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, one of the things that I really like, and and um, you've conveyed to me in conversations that we've had in the past, is you always try to teach a life lesson to the kids. You know, and I think. Not that they're not getting it at home, but the more that they can be around that and around life lessons and exposed to it, then, you know, the more likely it is to stick. And so, I, you know, I really like that fact, you know, that they get that life lesson. Um, but, I, again, you know, no, we're not in here beating people up. I haven't gotten beaten up yet. So, <laughs> actually, pretty cool. I actually got to choke Cody last night. So, hey, nice. <laughs> yeah, but he choked me back. No, <laughs> oh, look, Cody, you can't be choking. You can't be yeah, choking, dog. Man. I know, right? And the only place you can go and choke local law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> that's good advertising. Yeah, that's great advertising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, cops train for free. Uh, everybody else, $200 if you want to choke a cop. Exactly. No, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. Uh, but, uh, man, uh, that's what, why we do what we do is to change lives, to impact the world. Yeah. One, one person at a time. Exactly. And that's and, what we're put here to do. And I, I, I truly believe that life principles and like just having those good character building values, period, is what, what it's about. And um, I, I have learned so much from you in the short time that, like, in the two years that I've met you and known you, I've learned so much. And I actually look up to you as a as a business owner and a role model. So, like, when I have big decisions or financial decisions or uh, anything like that, there's two people that I speak to first, and you are one of the, those people. So... Uh, like with me, I I personally feel like um, everybody should have someone that is where they want to be mm-hmm. and someone where they are. Exactly. And you need you need that in your life to get to that next level. The mm-hmm. person that's where you want to be is going to give you the information that you need to build and grow to that. The person that is on your level is going to hold you to that standard to not back um, backslide mm-hmm. to the other other standards. And that's why my, my circles do change. And it's not that I, I like these other people any less or that I don't care about them or that I don't even look that I that I don't not that I don't love them or whatever, because mm-hmm. I do. Right. And um I always tell and people that know me, you know, I, I hug everybody and say, I love you mm-hmm. to everyone. I know. And, uh, it's, and it's uncomfortable for a lot of guys for me to hug them and say, I love you. I know. And, uh, <laughs> but I do because, one, I want them to know that I care about them. Right. For two, I want them to know that that's okay, mm-hmm. that it's okay for 
another guy to tell a guy like, hey, I love you and I hope you're safe mm -hmm. or I hope, you know, I hope nothing happens to you because you are my friend and it's okay. And um, I think that is a very important lesson to learn and to share with people. And, um, and th that's kind of what we do. And I know I done rambled a little bit, but I, I really feel like that's what martial arts done for me. It made me more confident to be myself, made me, made me more confident to speak up. Mm -hmm. And there's been times where I've spoken up and I, Hey, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. And then other people listen. And, um, I actually think, uh, Steven even talked about that and, uh, on another podcast, but that's the point is like it without martial arts, we, I wouldn't be doing it in the correct way. Right. I would probably be a lot more abrupt mm -hmm. and a lot less capable <laughs> of, of doing it. Yeah. So, so it kind of helped you channel all of that energy and kind of direct it with discipline and, and to be able to use it. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. So um, let's backtrack a little bit. You shoot and you do an instructor's course. What are you trying to build right now or do as far as those avenues go? What am I currently, as far as activity-wise, goes? Or? Yeah, like, are you putting together any future training exercises for people? Are you trying to build a range? Are you trying to just um, get people more involved in your sport? Like, what are you actively trying to build or grow or do? Or are you? I, I don't even know if you are. Mm -hmm. I know I don't want you to stop taking me with you. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on who buys the ammo. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, you know, that's a great question, Jimmy. I honestly haven't given given it um, a whole lot of thought, and that kind of is a whole other thing by itself. Um, you know, up until October of last year, it was all about getting the nationals, getting the nationals, getting the nationals, and putting in the time, putting in the reps, and, and, and getting the job done so that I could – actually achieve that goal and um all along the way you know i've had people ask or uh, want me to take them out or want me to train them and and help them with certain aspects of their their skill level and um up until again getting ready for nationals or world championship as it turned out to be uh, i just didn't have the time it's not that i didn't want to help people i really did but that required a lot of time and a, a lot of commitment. And so once I got to the world championship and it was over with, I found myself sitting around like, okay, well, you know, dang, I achieved that. What's next? You know, what do I do now? <laughs> and so, because I mean, you go to the world championship, that's kind of, you know, the, the epitome of it. And, um, so somebody asked me this question the other day, and I got to thinking about it, and I said, you know, this, I think I want to take this year off from the competition circuit. Obviously, this was before COVID uh, happened. And I really want to just work more with people and, and train people and, and teach uh, individuals to become more proficient and uh, with their firearm. Because for me, one of my biggest pet peeves uh and i don't mean to offend anybody but i think this needs to be discussed offend them offend them all yeah. right here it goes um you know unfortunately i find that a lot of guys at, will go out and they'll take their wife or significant other to the gun store i want you to have protection 
you're going to carry some form of protection. And they'll take them to pick out a, a firearm. And usually the way it goes is this. Uh, the guy wants her to carry a 44 Magnum, which is like a really big, you know, <laughs> dirty, hairy kind of gun. Yeah, exactly. You know, a joker on Batman. Yeah. You're drawing it out forever. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he wants her to carry something like that. She doesn't want anything that big or that heavy because of in their weight in a pocketbook. But she wants it. It's got to look pretty. So it's got to be pink or purple. <laughs> and uh, it might have pearl grips on it or whatnot. And he'll take her out in the backyard and they'll shoot maybe a box of ammo, 50 rounds. And he says, okay, here, put it in your hand, put it in your purse and start carrying it. And that's just not safe. Um, it's a liability. And um, in, my, in my opinion, in my eyes, it is. Uh, for one, like we talked about and you've experienced when the timer goes off, it all goes out the window. And again, that's why we train so much, uh, so often is to build that muscle memory. So when the timer does go off, it's something that you're not thinking about. You act automatically. You don't react, but you act. And um, that's a very, very good distinction. Exactly. You don't react. You act. act. You have to be first. We do that in martial arts. Absolutely. You have to be first. Yeah. And that's what I love about the martial arts. You know, there's so many parallels between it and shooting. And um, so I find a lot of ladies that will, or their husbands usually is how they wind up with me um, to help them. The husband will contact me and say, my wife needs some help. She just, she don't want to, uh, I have trouble teaching her. You know, we kind of butt heads when it comes time to, to train. And, understandable. You know, understandable, you know. I mean, she doesn't, who does, you know, she doesn't have to listen to you. She only just lives <laughs> with you, you know. <laughs> And so, you know, we'll get out on the range and I'll say, okay, well, let's do this and do this and do this. And I get this look. Uh, okay. And um, so, yeah, we have to start from square one. And, and the not the hard part about it, but one of the things that I find is I have to break a lot of bad habits. Or not break, maybe a bad, poor choice of words. Reteach. Retrain, reteach. And... Um, so that's why I really want to start spending more time working with individuals is it's simply for that fact. You know, they, they, you just because you can go out and legally own a firearm and just because you went out in the backyard and you shot at a, a Coca-Cola can or a Coke bottle, you know, on, sitting on the dishwasher, you know, 40 or 50 rounds, um, that doesn't mean you're proficient. And um, in all likelihood that's a pretty good chance that you're going to get somebody hurt, if not yourself and somebody else. Um, when the, you know, the, the, um, what's the opportunity, the situation presents itself uh, where you have to use it or you get backed into a corner. Hopefully you never get backed into that corner. And again, that's why I always tell them, you know, hey, you know, go train jiu-jitsu, go train some type of martial arts because you need that extra level of defense and, and possessing that ability. And, um, you know, finding out that um, while the event's happening that, oh, well, I wish I had a train, that's too late you know, if you survive the event. Um, and so, yeah, this year I think I'm spending more with uh, working with individuals. Uh, as far as a range, I've got some land that we have acquired. We're trying to figure out what to do with it. Still got some, uh, some issues going on to get squared away with that. But yeah, definitely I'd love to have a, a personal range. And, and the reason for that is because when I do train, especially more in the advanced classes, we train uh, shooting on the move. 
and that's probably one thing you noticed. Uh, we don't shoot static, standing still. You know, it takes very little effort to be a bullseye shooter, which is is the static type shooting. But we're always on the move, and that's a whole different different. That's what I animal. did when we went out there, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Everything I always done, it's like shoot this target, and you get to go. Okay, yeah, fine-tuned yeah. shoot, right? Yeah, down. but then it's like, okay, shoot this target while you're running over here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, and do it in five seconds or less. <laughs> yeah, and, and beat this time because I just did it in three. That's no. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, My times are never that good. <laughs> lies. I went out there with him, and uh, this man, he's like, yeah, man, that sucked. <laughs> he grouped them like that and we're doing this like step forward two, step to the right step back step forward and all his shots are like like this far apart yeah. mine were like bang bang <laughs> bang 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 and i was like i hit the i hit the guy, you hit that's, the guy. that's all that matters yeah. As a matter of fact i think you hit a non-threat too didn't you <laughs> yeah. yeah i shot him on purpose oh, okay yeah. i was trying to do the movie thing where you shoot through the, the oh the, i see yeah. just remind me to stand behind you <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, kidding. I'm just kidding actually i don't think i did that bad no i didn't did. do that bad you didn't do but that bad i think there's a lot worse <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I've seen, seen a lot but, different. Uh, I, I think that's something I'm going to incorporate within this next year is I'm going to start, uh, uh, once I get this place back uh, squared away from COVID, mm -hmm. I'm going to invest and start really trying to uh, get more efficient with that. Uh, which, which brings me to, I always ask one question mm -hmm. every time. With my uh, with my guest, have you been in a fight? Have you been in a fight? See, I watched the podcast, and uh, that's good. Yeah, have you been in a fight? Uh huh. And uh, what's your most memorable fight? If you have been in a fight, mm -hmm. but before we get to that, okay, uh, how good or how efficient is it to carry a firearm in a pack or a purse? Not. It's not. Not. Yeah. So if somebody was going to carry and they didn't want to have it on the person like me, mm -hmm. I'm always in gym clothes. Mm -hmm. So I have a pack that I carry. Mm -hmm. What would be the drawbacks to carrying that? And I'm not asking this question for myself because um, I want people to kind of get an idea. I know the answer. Mm -hmm. I also know uh, like how just from being out there with you, how nerve-wracking that timer is and how much the small details matter so much because of jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. I know these things. Mm -hmm. But I, want, I wanted a, a professional like you to, to let the world kind of understand and know, like, um, if you and I were to get into an, a fight mm -hmm. and you got your firearm and there wasn't a table in between us, whose firearm is it? At this point, as close as we are, if I don't have sufficient training, it's probably yours. Right. Um, if you got it in your purse, how likely are you going to get it out before I make contact with you? Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then, you know, in the, in, when I do um, an all-female training session, um, that's some of the things that we cover with them. Uh, because the the purse is the number one place ladies always like to carry their yeah. firearm, and again, as you've already pointed out, the 
problem with that is you're not able to access it as quickly as you need to access it. Uh, the second problem with it is if it is in a purse, you know, I've had ladies tell me, oh, well, if it's in my pocketbook. I'll just put, I like to put my strap around my neck and my shoulder and carry my purse like this in case somebody wants to come by and, and take it and run with it. I said, well, you know, <laughs> hey, the problem with that is I'm not going to take it and run with it. I'm going to take it and use the strap to strangle you with, and then I'm going to take it, you know. And so there can be some bad characters out there, and they certainly don't have a problem doing that to an individual, especially a female. Um, so, yeah, packs and purses and pouches and in the pocket, those are not good places at all. And um, as a matter of fact, um, a lot of times guys will tell me, well, I like to carry on the small of the back. Real lesson, don't do it. Um, I've had the opportunity to train with uh, Delta team guys and SEAL team guys, which are like the elite operators uh, from our military. And uh, we were having this discussion one day. And uh, I told him, I said, yeah, well, you know, sometimes I carry in the small of the back or, you know, three o'clock on the hip on the side here. He's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah. I mean, what's the deal with that? Why not? And he said, okay. He said, go ahead and lock and load. So I put it in the holster. You know, of course, it wasn't loaded. And um, he come up behind me before I even knew it. And he arm locked me. Just bear like bear hugged me from behind. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, here I am. I'm still wondering what in the world this fool's doing. And before I can even get completed with that thought, he's already drawn my firearm and has it in my ribs. And so small of the back is not a great place to be carrying. Uh, same thing for three o'clock position. And, um, you know, the guys on uh, SEAL and Delta tell me, hey, you know, if you're going to carry, you need to be carrying an Akydex holster and an appendix carry, which is, you know, like right here at about one o'clock area. Um, and a lot of times uh, clients or students will say, well, you know, I'm, I'm scared the gun's going to go off or I'm going to shoot myself. And, well, that's why you have it in a Kydex holster because it has that hard shell to it to protect it and, and to help prevent that. Um, but, yeah, as far as anywhere else but there, yeah, I wouldn't advise it or suggest it. So you could grab some money, like mm -hmm. in a bear hug position. Mm -hmm. Try to reach. No, no, don't even worry about them taking your weapon. Just mm -hmm. try to reach down. Just try to reach down, yeah. Yeah, just try to reach down and try to get to it. Mm -hmm. It's nearly impossible. Exactly, if not impossible, especially at 3 o'clock or in the small of the back. Well, I mean, there's a way to, like, backstep and throw them over your shoulder if or something. If their coach Jimmy there is, you know, with all this yeah, training. Step in, uh, hug their hip or something, yeah. like, wiggle down or something. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe I'm just too little and they're just yeah. way too skilled getting their hips away That's or whatever. Right. You know, you have to be over 150 pounds. You got to be over 150. <laughs> I'm getting there. Getting there. I woke up. I woke up. I'm proud of this. Yeah. Proud of this. I woke up at 149.8. All right. Get right there. <laughs> Another week, I'll be 150. Yeah. Come, right. I'm coming for you. What you Coming's weighing? Me? I don't even know right About now. About 170, 175. Uh, at my lightest, I was 153. Um, right now I'm probably running about 180. Yeah. And I, when I fitted you for a gi mm -hmm. the first time and I was like holding that thing up, I was like, you don't look this big. <laughs> and then like, I, I was like, 
put it, I was like, you're probably an A3. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, maybe you're an A3 and a half. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're, you're, 3.75. You're <laughs> yeah. You were, you're jacked. And like, you're, you're, you're fixing to be 50 years old. And like, you're, you are in shape and you have the condition that you have. It's very impressive. Like, I, it's actually one of the things that, that made me drawn to, to make you one of my mentor, one of the people that I look up to is because, um, that mental toughness and that to go out and run to find that out and start doing uh you used to do crossfit right mm -hmm, I did. yeah so start doing crossfit and then getting to a gym like walking into an mma gym is not easy mm -hmm. and you did it and you you looked at me and was like i don't do this but i want to learn right and when you come in with that attitude i was just like man this this guy there's something special about this person so i started talking to you about other things and like man you've helped me a lot as an adult and as a as a mentor and i think that's what a lot of our communities are missing is um a, not necessarily a, a man but someone to look up to that has really good values that will take the time out of their day to share their principles with you mm -hmm. and um i think that's why i do what i do and why i love it so much is i want to set that example and for some of the kids don't have that mm. and then some of them have it and i want to reinforce it like we were talking uh, about earlier so but you've done that for me and i and i you. i wanted you to know that like i know i've told you that before but now uh, the world knows now the world knows. oh yeah. wow now i feel it's, all warm and yeah. fuzzy inside you should <laughs> should you should well, i appreciate it though but um so carrying in a purse is probably not the best idea carrying in a pack is probably not the best yeah, idea my, my weapon won't fit in my pack because it's yeah. like a joker oh weapon. okay joker weapon yeah, yeah. i gotta carry it. <laughs> i gotta walk like i got a limp when I carry it in appendix style, I see. it keeps my leg, my knee from bending. Oh, that gives you extra support. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I walk like penguin. No, but, um, all right. So that brings us to the other question. Have you ever been in a fight? Um, a real fight. It don't matter if it fight, was in kindergarten. A real fight. Mm, I would have to say no. Never? Uh, never. No. Have you ever had no. to use your weapon? No. Have you you've never even had to use your weapon to discourage something from happening? No, I have not. All right. So what would you say to people that argue, well, have you ever killed anybody or, or you've never had to use your weapon? Why do you need it? What would you say to those people? Why do I need it? Yeah. In case I find myself in a situation where I'm not able to either talk the situation down or I don't have the opportunity to be able to walk away and be the better of the two. All right, so you're 50 years old and you've never had to. Right. Why, why be prepared for that when you haven't? Why? Why do you put money in a savings account? I don't. Oh, no, I'm, no. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, if you get money, you're supposed to spend it. No. <laughs> we need uh, to have another lesson. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, so I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's more or less about um I, I would much rather need a gun and have one than to need a gun and not, not have, have one. one exactly or not need a gun and have one than need a gun and not have one either way works for me yeah that that's what i actually was thinking you were going to say mm -hmm. because that to me it's a no-brainer mm -hmm. to to me personally i know there's a lot of people that are against guns out there and they'll say oh you've never needed it well how many times are 
I've actually been personally been in a situation where gun discouraged some really bad behavior, and I don't know what would have happened had it not been there. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The police wasn't even called. Mm-hmm. Like nothing happened just because of the presence of a gun, mm-hmm. because of a weapon, right. presence of a weapon. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that kind of goes back to, or you know, I'll tag on to this too, Jimmy. Um, you know, I made the statement. I I've always been able to either talk the situation down. De-escalation. Or de-escalation. Thank you for that fancy term. Um, <laughs> yeah, de-escalate or, you know, walk away. And this is something I think that needs to be addressed. A lot of times when people have a firearm or carrying one, they have a false sense of security. And sometimes they depend on that more so than using a good, cool head some common sense and keeping your head up, watching your environment and not putting yourself in a situation to begin with. And that's something I talk with the ladies classes on, you know, always, always the best, a good offense is a what? Good defense. Um, So, you know, if you use your gut instinct and say, for example, you're walking out to your car at eight o'clock at night in the middle of, parking lot where there's no lights that's not a good situation to be putting yourself into to begin with so you could have had some better choices you could have chosen to part where there was better lighting um you know one thing i always encourage on a firearm is uh, a light of some sort flashlight mounted to the bottom rail um, because the majority of of uh, events are going to occur in low lighting situations you know i mean bad guys they don't want to be seen you know, they're going to be out in the dark. And um, so a lot of times a good flashlight can deter a situation without having it or without it having escalated to use of deadly force. And the reason why is, or the reason behind that is you don't want it to escalate to that level is because once that bullet leaves that barrel, then you are 100% responsible for what it does or does not do. And, you know, it's not something that you should take lightly, a responsibility you should not take lightly. Uh, if that bullet were to miss, and that's a, a, a high likelihood, um, you know, where is it going to go? Is it going to hit an innocent bystander? Or is it going to, you know, cause damage somewhere else? And so I think a lot of times people, they really don't really truly understand all of the things that go along with that. Um, and so they have this false sense of security or, the, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, I'll shoot my way out of it. And, hey, guys, you know, a lot, most law enforcement, and I'm not saying anything negative towards law enforcement. You know, I support the guys. They have. A, I am. You know, I'm saying something negative. They need you? to train more. Yeah, no, they do. They I agree. I, I, they need to train more. And I, um, they're, they're talking about not to cut you off, but. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things that bothers me about our law enforcement is they have a gun, they have a taser, and when I talk to them about training, oh, well, I got this, and they'll pat it. Mm-hmm. And um, that bothers me. Mm-hmm. And not only that does that bother me, something else bothers me is like they're talking about requiring all, all law officers to get a blue belt. And everybody thinks that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You're making police officers train to get a blue belt. And I think that is a great idea mm-hmm. if 
it's a blue belt under a place that is a legit mm -hmm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu place mm -hmm. that holds a standard of a blue belt. Because mm -hmm. I feel like what would happen is it's going to be just like our military. They're going to say, oh, our law officers need a blue belt. They're going to develop some training program mm -hmm. that is government sanctioned, government run, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to give Mick Dojo blue belts yeah. to say, oh, I got a blue belt. Right. And they're going to teach some backward ass rear naked choke, some yeah. backward ass arm bar triangle, some some knee to belly thing it's gonna be backwards uh -huh. and then there's just gonna you're gonna have blue belts everywhere uh -huh. and i don't like that idea at all i think that the the government should say hey find you a legit gym in your area and the, the government should pay mm -hmm. their gym membership for them to and they should set aside at least two days a week mm -hmm. for these officers to train because you have to train daily weekly at least twice a week to have any kind of real understanding or any kind of real muscle memory mm -hmm. anything less than at least anything less than regular w at least once a week anything less than that you're you're not doing anything you're you're actually creating and that's why i don't you've never seen me do a self-defense seminar mm -hmm. never no one's ever seen me do it and it's because i don't want to teach a self a self a self-defense seminar mm -hmm. Because I teach you this move to get somebody off your back, or I teach you this move to get out of a guillotine choke, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now you're, you have this false sense of confidence mm -hmm. in escaping or acting in a, in a manner when norm, your normal reaction might would be better, which would normally be like run, run. <laughs> or you know, create distance or yeah. whatever. Now you're like, oh, I did that self-defense class this one time and now yeah. now I'm ready to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bang like bang on your head or whatever, you know. Game like, over pump. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up getting seriously hurt because you did not train that or have a good enough time and or muscle memory to to be effective. That's why you won't ever hear me do a, a self-defense seminar. And I think that with the police, I think that that just requiring them to have a blue belt is stupid mm -hmm. because they're going to come up with some program that is like a month or two weeks out of the year that certifies you as a blue belt and now you're you're a blue belt but you're not really a freaking blue belt yeah. and it's going to minimize what we're doing and that's a valid very valid point that you have jimmy and i agree with you on that um but and when you were, you were saying that and uh you get to your uh, your point there were two words that came to my mind and we see and hear it throughout, especially in the firearms industry and, and law enforcement, uh, minimum standards. And so when you're talking about the blue belt requirement or be it, you know, having that type of training, you know, them designing or developing some type of program, you know, I can see where it would be uh, a, some type of hybrid program that they would design or develop. And, it, and that's all it would be is to meet a minimum standard. Right. And, you know, in my experience, there's no such thing as a minimum standard in life. You, know, you have to be prepared. You have to be ready regardless because, you know, it, the situation or scenario is not always going to be minimum standard. No, it rarely is in my experience. Um, so yeah, I agree with you 100%. They need that extra training. 
So, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off and go on a little rant there, but it it really upsets me when you have uh, police officers that, uh, like, dude, we don't have maybe one or two police officers that could come in here mm-hmm. and roll longer than um, three minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, in three minutes, I'm giving them two and a half. Mm-hmm. That's like, a long roll. Yeah, it is. I'm giving like Cody comes in here. Mm-hmm. He's the only one. Oh, wow. I've offered it to all the police officers. I've went over there. I talked to him. Uh, I've, I've tried to help or discount it and stuff. I've offered. Um, we we offered like a whole month for free. Like we've done we've done things. Mm-hmm. Cody's the only one that that came and and stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell you like it scared him. Oh yeah. He said that he was very confident in his ability to do his job before he come to the school. Mm-hmm. And he was like, now he's scared to do his job mm-hmm. because he said that if he run across like one of our blue belts mm-hmm. out there, he said, there's nothing, nothing that he could do to that person other than shoot them mm-hmm. to get them to stop resisting. That's if if they wanted to. Yeah, he and I had this same conversation last night after we choked each other. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I'm talking about. And then I had a I had a GBI officer come in. He said this same exact thing. He actually did not stick with it because he don't work in the field anymore and it wasn't as important to him because he's more of an investigative type now. Mm-hmm. But he said the same thing. He was like, man, I'm so glad that when I was out in the field, mm-hmm. he said, I'm so glad that I I didn't come in here back then. Oh wow. He said because I carried this persona and this this mindset that I was coming home to my family. Mm-hmm. And that uh, he said that I, I I knew how to handle myself. Mm. He said and then I got in here after the fact where I was already investigated and stuff and he said I did this. Mm-hmm. And it man, I went home and I, I sat there and he said I was terrified. Like I couldn't believe at how unable to protect myself that I really am. Mm-hmm. He said that that if he would have come in here back then, he he wouldn't be fixing to retire. Oh my god, he would have quit. Yeah, he I said that like that's how eye opening it was to him of how at ineffective he would have been in a real uh, real world situation. He said and he went in and and handcuffed people, and he realizes now that. Uh, a lot of people are just trying to get away. They're not trying to fight. Mm -hmm. And because people are trying to get away, they're not actually trying to hurt him. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to get away. And it makes somebody a lot. He said, but if they had a turn on me and had any type of training at all, Mm -hmm. he said, I could have been hurt really bad. Yeah, no doubt about it. I guess that's one of those things where ignorance is bliss. Yeah. You know? And that that was the exact words that he used Mm -hmm. was, man, like, I had no idea. Ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. He was like, I wouldn't have made it this far. Right. Yeah. So, I, know, I mean, like, rolling with some of you guys, um, especially you. <laughs> I mean, what's the term? Wet blanket? It's like trying to get you <laughs> off, even though you're 149.8 pounds. <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now. You know, a uh, time, couple times we've rolled, it was like, oh, my God, this is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you were just simply rolling and reacting to what I was doing, which – not knowing anything and i got to thinking i was like wow man these you know one of these guys really get a hold of you with bad intent 
Yeah, if if a jujitsu black belt grabs someone that he was mad at or had bad intentions, it would not be good. Be Especially one that also trains in striking and uh, other other types of martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like I started in striking, mm-hmm. and uh, I did striking since I was six, and then I made the transition at like eighteen to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. And I, I did both for a long time. And uh, you take somebody that it's like whatever it is that you do, whatever your job is, mm-hmm. and you do it every day, and then somebody who's never done your job, never done whatever it is you do, and then they're like, oh, I can do that. Right. And then they, they try to do it, and they look stupid, or they're they're slow, and they're they're clunky with their hands and they or they just can't do it as efficient as you and there's no comparison it's like playing video games with a kid that all he's done for the last eight hours a day for the last two years is play this one video game mm-hmm. and you you're like i'm gonna beat this kid at this video <laughs> game i'm fixing to play this video game against this kid yeah. and the kid destroys you mm-hmm. that's what fighting is like yeah you take somebody that's been training every day and then pick a fight with that person. You've had a bad day. I think your term is mollywop. Mollywop. <laughs> yeah. They will mollywop your ass. Like that is a – and it's true though. Yeah. And it's like it's like challenging LeBron James to a game of one-on-one in basketball. Yeah, you know how that's going to turn out. No right. way you're going to win that if he lets you. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the point mm-hmm. is you got people in the world that train since they were little now doing exactly what I do now since they were little kids and good I, god forbid somebody pissed that person off one day that like would be pretty yeah to like upset that person to where they're like i'm going to cause this other person bodily harm mm-hmm. because luckily we teach we still teach a lot of traditional respect integrity you, you walk away first we teach that mm-hmm. but if you push that person to use what they know and they don't have any like hold back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how you would say that. Like any uh they're like, you know what? I don't like this person and I'm fixing to dismember them. Mm-hmm. That person is fixing to get dismembered. Yeah, that's all it is to it. But you know, and that's kinda like um and you're talking about, you know, that self discipline to hold back. Um, that's one thing, one of the things that I have really noticed with people who are at a higher level training, um, at, they're usually very patient people, very, very, very tolerant people. And I don't know if it's because they understand the skill that they possess, you know, compared to uh, an individual off the street or especially like us white belts, you know, and, um, it, yeah, I mean, they're just, you, know, you guys are like so patient and just whatever. Just kinda, <laughs> yeah. And then kind of like Taylor said, it's like the snake, you know, it kind of comes around real slow <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's done, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, they're, in my experience, they're, they're very patient people. But once you cross that line, then that's it. Yeah. You know, it's all bets are off then. Uh, Steven was talking about that the other day. Like, there's a lot of growth in that. Like, you feel um, feel like you got something to prove when you're a young man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that derives from insecurities. Mm-hmm. And um, I, 
you overcompensate. Mm -hmm. And that's actually why a lot of fights happen these days with other people mm -hmm. is they're, they're insecure about something in some form mm -hmm. or fashion. And it develops into an altercation that could have been completely avoided. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing this. And uh, I know people say it to Steven all the time, but you're not what I expected. Or really? you're, you're not nice. Like, you know I mean, you're, you're super nice. I didn't expect that. Uh -huh. And uh, they tell the people tell me that. Yeah. Like, you're not what I expected. Or like, you're too nice or whatever. And it, a lot of it comes from the fact that it's like, we got guys come through the door all the time that just want to beat us up and show us how good they are or something. Right. And we have to take that, tone it down, and turn them into a member. <laughs> <laughs> no, no challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you gotta you gotta you basically kill their ego yeah. in a nice enough way to turn them into a member. Mm. And uh it's I don't have anything to prove anymore. Yeah. Like I know what I'm capable of, and that sounds arrogant to say out loud. Self-confidence, I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. Uh, rookie mistake, yeah, cell phone. Rookie mistake, cell phones. Mine, I did it the first three podcasts. Did like, you? Uh, I'm like, I'm finally learning how to silence yeah. my phone. But, um, man, anyway, the, everybody that meets us, they're like, you're not at all what I expected. Mm -hmm. And, or you're too nice, or you guys are just too nice. And uh, it's almost we're nice to a point that we're overly nice. Oh, wow. And, um. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a nice guy, though. I'm a really super nice guy. We sure? Maybe. I yeah. hope. I hope y'all know that. Mm. No. I just have to be nice. You have to be. Yeah, I have to be. Cause it's so uh, it's the standards. That, uh, well. yeah, somewhat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so we, it's just one of those things. Like once you once you made it, and I'm getting to that point. That's I good. feel good about it. Like. It took me 19 years to that I finally start. I'm starting to feel like I'm. I get the. I get a little bit of respect in the, the community, mm -hmm. and it's not even. Um, not anything other than the way Stephen kind of makes me feel, yeah. honestly. Um, uh, and Stephen and I spoke about that. I don't know why I keep hammering on that a little bit, but the, it was one of the most in depth conversations I've had in a while. Mm -hmm. And it really made me think about things is like we've had the same kind of path. He moved around. He trained with a bunch of different gyms. Mm -hmm. I moved around. I trained with a bunch of gyms. And we've never been anybody's guy. Mm -hmm. Like We just kind of the person that shows up and trains. Mm -hmm. And we talk and laugh. And then we go on our way. And no one ever just like made us feel like we belonged. And uh, it's a hard road that way. Like, all of my guys in my gym, they're my guys. Like, Bam Bam, Zach, like all these guys. All these guys are my guys. You, you're my guy. My family. Yeah. And you know it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, I never had that. And, like, my jiu-jitsu is I'm a mutt. Mm -hmm. My striking, I'm a mutt. I picked up stuff here and there, and I'm like, man, I really like this. And then I had to figure out how to incorporate it into my game. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sat down and talk. This is where you go. This is where you go. This is where you go. Yeah. I had to make it work for somebody that's 148 pounds, 140 pounds. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out how to get heavy. Like you, you could you could bench press a lot of weight. You could probably pick me up ten times. You know, like if I was even weight or whatever, you could right. probably pick me up ten times, mm -hmm. and I could probably only pick you up once. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, how many times could I move you? 
Right. One time. You can move me 10. So I had to figure out how to make it work and how to do that. And now I have someone that has uh, said, this is my guy. Oh, cool. This is, uh, and it feels really good. Mm-hmm. And it, I feel like, I feel not, I guess, validated. You belong. Yeah. I feel like all of my hard work is finally coming to a head and I'm starting to get respect in the community in a way that I never have. People are listening. People are like, really, I have people that drive an hour and 40 minutes. They train at another school mm-hmm. and then they drive an hour and 40 minutes twice a week to come train at my school, even oh, though they ha- they train at another school. Yeah, that's nice. And, you know, I think too, Jimmy, um, a lot of it has to do with, um, or I, I, I can't speak to it, but I would say in my experience, in anything we do, you have to put the time in. And so as you're putting that time in, you grow and you mature. And um, even your perspective changes as we grow and mature, you know. It does. And you're able to look back at, at some point in life and you're just able to see these things. Whereas, you know, if we if we were, you know, 25 or 30 years old and, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm old now. I can say that. I gave him a, I gave him a puzzling look. Like, wait, wait, we are. Yeah, we are. No. Well, I am. You are. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as you grow and you mature and you experience things in life, then you, you develop that capacity to be able to look back on things and say, you know what? Yeah, I can see now where it, where it was. I wasn't ready for it at that point in right. time in life. Or... Um, you know, yeah, I could have done this differently, and, and this would have affected or impacted my growth and maturity in, in maybe a different way. And, um, you know, whether it's jiu-jitsu, gym ownership, business ownership, or even in just personal life, you know, um, I think that's just part of growing in life in that life cycle. Yeah, I agree. Uh, if you look at me when I was 17, 18, and 19, uh i was still fighting people for money like that was something that like we did mm-hmm. and i was like my family and my my family still like i'll tell you the story my sister's gonna love me <laughs> uh, i'm gonna put this camera right she's, in my face she's or, not watching is she <laughs> yeah she's going to see this and this is gonna be great so my my sister uh maybe a month ago yeah she, her and her um, uh, fiance uh, were arguing, mm-hmm. and it was just a, a subtle argument. And she walks up to him, and he, like, he was smiling. She walks up to him, and he's like, it was just a little bickering mm-hmm. back and forth. And he reaches his arms out to hug her. Oh yeah, and she headbutted him in the face oh my gosh <laughs> and like his nose like it broke his nose oh my word it blacked both his eyes immediately okay, and okay. she headbutted him wrong yeah she put a goose egg on the front of her head uh-huh. got the camera on the wrong person she put a goose egg on his head she headbutted him and just uh-huh. broke it uh-huh. and she put a, a goose egg on her own head because she headbutted him with the front of her face oh my gosh like she was like Bang! He reached yeah. out to hug her, uh-huh. and she just banged him. Wow! And whole new meaning to love tap. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, 
I'm hearing the story and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But the rest of my family was like, yeah, she headbutted his ass in the face. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I bet he won't do that no more. Oh, my God. And they're, like, praising her. Yeah. My whole family, they're praising her for headbutting this man in the face. And I'm like, you realize, like, if he was to just snap mm-hmm. and, like, break her into a thousand pieces, none of us could be mad. Right. Because you're praising her for it. Like, none of, none of us, none of us could be mad at him. Mm-hmm. for like beating the shit out of her yeah like we couldn't be mad about that right but the if the law showed up they would take like, him to jail not yeah, her yeah no doubt about it but she just walked up and, and my family's like yeah teach his ass a lesson betty won't oh talk to you that yeah. no way and they're they're laughing and they're joking and they're like all of them are like happy Really? That she, and they're like, yeah, they're proud of her. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just looking at her like, there's got to be some growth in our family, guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. this isn't okay. No. Like, when I was 16 and 17, that's the environment that I come like, all the way up to that point. Yeah. That's the environment I come from. And uh, they they praise it. They they like, yeah, can't whoop my bubba's. And they still do it. Like, my brother's a badass. He's a, he's a, he does jujitsu. He does, he does MMA. And like. <laughs> They they talk me up and it feels yeah. it still feels good. Oh yeah, to have them. The ego. Yeah, it still feels good to have them talk about me in that manner. Mm-hmm. But I also, man, I've come so far. I'm not out fighting people in the street anymore. I'm not betting people they can't knock me down or uh-huh. that they. I'm betting people that they can't take me down. Like I'm not doing those things anymore. Yeah, and I, I grown and then. Like they're they're we're at this little family get together. Like, yeah, she headbutted his ass in the face. Whopped him. Yeah. <laughs> She molly I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're making fun of me just a little bit. Yeah, just, just, a little bit. just a little bit. But so but that's where I come from. And hearing hearing my family and seeing like how they reacted to it, I'm like, there's no wonder that I I had to retrain myself and I had to like grow mm-hmm. and I had to so my seventeen year old self would have been like, my sister headbutters. I need to teach you how to headbutt. <laughs> like, come here. Let me show you. You hit here. That's right. Not here, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, uh, I need to show you how to properly headbutt somebody. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like, <laughs> Not good. Like, you get down and you, you come into them. You don't oh. smack your the front of your forehead into them. Like, yeah. I probably should good still. Good to know. Yeah. I probably should still teach her how to do that. Yeah. So she don't give herself brain damage yeah. next time. Well, here, here's a better idea. How about teaching how to resolve the issue rather um, than the have, issue was re- resolved? I'm re- sure. Oh, I'm sure it was, <laughs> but it could have been a different outcome. Yeah. Like, I bet she don't headbutt anybody yeah. ever again, and unless she does it the way I told her to. Oh yeah, because man, her head she had a goose egg and it like bruised and mm-hmm. come down. Mm-hmm. But now I would never condone that. Yeah, like you don't put your. I teach my daughters like, uh, don't put your hands on. Don't put your hands on people, mm-hmm. not just a man. Mm-hmm. I don't say a man. I say people. people. Don't touch people. Mm-hmm. You don't put your hands on somebody because they, they when they were younger, they get mad and hit each other, mm-hmm. like punch each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, don't do that. You don't put your hands on people. That's not how I was raised. I was raised if somebody disrespects you, mm-hmm. you teach them to respect you. You punch your ass in the face. Mm-hmm. Like you hit them and you beat them up and then they'll respect you. I see. And that's that's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. And now I know 
that I still argue with Stephen Aiken and tell him that that's how you get respect. Oh, yeah. But I know for a fact, 100%, that that's not how you that get respect. Yeah, that doesn't teach you respect. It doesn't teach – it teaches fear. Exactly. But if and Stephen hatred. and I have this conversation, you beat them and they respect you. I see. All right, that's so that's I, my stance. Okay, so if I see Stephen, I'll tell him that's what we're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, you beat them and they down. respect you. Okay. Yeah. So, But for everybody else in the world – like you, it's the way you treat people and the way you talk to them. Oh, absolutely. And you don't put your hands on them ever. Now, if it comes to a place that I feel threatened or I feel like it's fixing to go down, I'm first. Mm-hmm. I put my hands on them first mm-hmm. out of fear because, uh, you know, we say it every podcast, I'm a 140 pound man. Yeah. I can't have a 190 pound man punch me in the face. Oh man, I got 10 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making you bigger. I see. I'm trying to make you bigger. Did I get a six pack for that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you had one. You I had, had one. You I did had. have one last year. You had a pack, a six right. pack. Yeah. But so, like, if you would have hit me in the face last year, mm-hmm. there's nothing that I I could I wouldn't I maybe maybe I would, but probably wouldn't have recovered. Uh, yeah, you. I think it would have been. It would not have been to the extent that you think. It would be Jimmy because there's a difference in knowing how to do it a proper way and 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 not doing it a proper way. And at that time, I didn't know a proper way. Right, so but I, I don't want to take the yeah. chance of you knowing how to properly yeah. hit me in the face. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, see what like, you're I saying. don't want to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Like if you come at me in a threatening manner, mm-hmm. like I'm probably gonna leg kick you and hit mm-hmm. you in the face. Mm-hmm. And I've seen your leg kicks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's probably what I'm going to do because mm-hmm. that most people don't expect that. <laughs> and if anybody watches my podcast, they're going to know, like, I need to check a kick that's because right. that's what I'm doing. I'm going to leg kick you and mm-hmm. punch you. And then if you still want to fight, we can mm-hmm. fight still. Yeah. But that's how I'm starting it off. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting for you to touch me or hit me because I'm not, I'm not, I, mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody. I don't care how big you are or how small you are. Mm-hmm. If you know that it's fixing to go down, be first. Be first. Right. Don't let them hit you. That's just, I hate that advice. Parents are, if they hit you, you handle it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And I, people still give that advice. To, I hate it mm-hmm. because it may be too late. Exactly. They may shut your ass off. Quick light. Yeah, if they hit you and they shut you off, now what? Now what are they doing to you when you're completely unable to defend yourself? Whatever they want to do. You're right. Yeah. So be first. I agree. And, um, but my sister, man, she had butted him and yeah. got me on a tangent. So how's the guy? Uh, they're still together. Okay. He still loves her. All right. Uh, he laughed about it after a fact. Seriously? Yeah. They, they, it's that environment, man. Okay. Well. He laughed about <laughs> it, and he told me, he's the one that told me the story. He's like, man, I thought she was fixing to hug me. I reached out, and she headbutted my ass. <laughs> and, like, she broke his nose. Golly, man. And, uh. And everybody's like, oh, she broke his nose. Yeah. I'm like, y'all, y'all realize if he would have snapped and just beat her to death. Mm-hmm. Like. Y'all would be telling me, like, you need to go handle that. Yeah, go deal with him. <laughs> you need to go deal with Ben. And, you know, the sad thing is, is I don't know that I wouldn't go. You were probably gone because it was your sister. Yeah, like, why are you? They're like, dude, she headbutted you. Like, you you could have responded differently. Mm-hmm. But, and the truth is, I, I couldn't. I mean, I probably would, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't. Because mm-hmm. she did what she did. Right. And if what, his, whatever reaction. First? Yeah. yeah, whatever reaction he had his hands out for a hug, bro. <laughs> like she was first. Definitely. She was definitely first. <laughs> but if if like if that happened, 
I couldn't justify beating him up. Yeah. For beating, for destroying her. So it'd be one of those half-hearted kind of deals. It would. It I would see. be a half-hearted ass yeah. whipping <laughs> that he received. Is there any such thing as a half-hearted ass whipping? Yeah, yeah. Because that could go. I could dismantle, yeah. or I could like. Oh, okay. Just smack him around a little bit. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying I can smack this guy around or no, nothing like that. Yeah. I'm just saying that in this manner, in this position, like I would not be all in. Yeah. Because like you should keep your damn head and hands to yourself. Then like but the world would be mad at him mm-hmm. if he was to beat her up. Oh yeah. The world would be mad. Yeah, that's the standard. But y'all don't know my sister. Mm-hmm. She beat me up when I was a kid. Yeah. You probably deserved no. it. No. 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 <laughs> like that woman, I wasn't allowed to hit women. Uh-huh. And uh, as good as a fighter as I was, I would never hit her back. I would yeah. never do anything back. You're not supposed to hit Because women. you're not supposed to hit women. But yeah. you know how I got it to stop? Yeah. I punched her ass in the eye. <laughs> I promise. And that like, stopped it. It stopped it. Yeah. Never again. She has uh-huh. never. There was two incidents. I was 12 years old. Yeah. And I've been a fighter for a long time. Mm-hmm. There's two incidents. The first one, we were at my aunt's house. And I was sitting down playing jazz ball on the computer. And the rule was, whoever got to the computer first got to use it. Mm-hmm. And we had an old school computer. Oh, yeah. Like, you still had to type in DOS commands to bring up the games. Oh, okay. Like, uh, for the people that don't know what that is, when you turn your computer on, it's a black screen with a little white bar that flashes. Mm-hmm. And you type in this long list of characters to bring up what program you wanted to run. Yeah. And... I had to type those in to play jazz ball. That's with a big floppy disk, too, wasn't it? Yes. And uh, I was playing that game. And uh, while I was playing that game, she told me Jennifer wanted on the computer, which was my cousin. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I got here first. And she, like, rolled me out of the chair. The chair was there. Mm -hmm. It rolled. She rolled me back. Yeah. Tried to dump me out of the chair. And she, like, shoved me. She slammed my face into a microwave. Oh my gosh! And then the door. Wow. You and, guys are uh, brutal, dude. You have no <laughs> idea. But I never hit her. Mm-hmm. But this was the first time I ever fought back, and that that was a regular occurring thing in my house. And I never fought back mm-hmm. because she was a girl, and I was taught you do not put your hands on women. Right. And uh. So speaking of which, not to cut you off, but um, I think you and I kind of had a little bit of this conversation on this past weekend, I think, uh, with women in today's society, you know, how they get kind of, they get have a tendency to get very mouthy or vocal, rather. From L.A., we could just call it they get mouthy. Um, but they become very vocal, and they have very little fear of getting in a guy's face. And then, you know, they start throwing the, the first punch. Or, like you said, they get mollywhopped. You know, what What are your thoughts on that? Dude, I'm very torn. Uh, I'm very torn in that aspect because, for one, I don't think words should ever turn into something physical. Mm-hmm. You can say what you want to say over there as long as you're not in my bubble. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I'm good. You start getting in my bubble, I'm going to start doing things. And luckily, I'm skilled enough, I would hope, that I'm skilled enough to handle this situation without either one of us taking a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I'm tell you how I handled my sister. 
that day, she slammed me around, like, face in the microwave, face into the door. I punched her ass in the eye. Mm-hmm. She turned around running, crying. crying. <laughs> Ran to the bathroom. She had a black eye for, like, a week. Oh, wow. Like, I hit her hard. Yeah, I hit her hard. Yeah. A week later, I'm jumping on a trampoline. And she um, was a pit messing with me. Go in the house. Go inside. She had took my Nintendo into her room uh-huh. and was playing a Nintendo in her room. And it was mine. It was my Nintendo. Man, you that and, uh, Yep. Nintendo. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nintendo. And it was, so it was my Nintendo. And she had it in her room because her and her friends had been playing it. Well, that means she had the TV in her room. Like we had two TVs, mm-hmm. and she had moved it all to her room, and it was actually my stuff that I paid for. Yeah, I worked for it. Oh wow! So instead of moving it, you were violated. Yeah. <laughs> instead of moving it, I just played it in her room. Yeah. And she come in there, and th- that thing don't save. Like anybody that's ever played Nintendo, it don't save your space. It don't save your really? spot. Oh gosh. So if you turn it off, you start the game over. Uh oh. And you have be two hours into Mario or something. And you, if you, if it, if the power goes out, if the game goes off, the game freezes, you got to start over. Yeah. Just out of luck. Yeah. Uh. And, uh, she come in there and she was like, get out of my room. <laughs> Classic trip. So I was on a trampoline uh-huh. and she went on trampoline, get off trampoline. I got off trampoline, went inside, started playing the game. She's like, get out of my room. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, No. I just got off trampoline. You want to play on a trampoline? I come in here to play this. It's mine. Yeah. You put it in your room. I'm not going anywhere. And you're trying to mind your own business. Yeah. And this was a week after I hit her. This is the uh, first time I ever hit her. Okay. I never stood up to her before. Yeah. Just did whatever the hell she told me to do. Right. And uh, because that's that was uh, what I was taught I was supposed to do. Yeah. She was a, a woman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did she bully you? Yeah bad your sister's gonna let me tell you let me tell you what my sister did (laughs) Uh, i'll tell you two stories she held me down in school we was in the same grade Mm -hmm. because i started school a year early she started school a year late we were in the same exact grade she would hold me down and i'd be like let me go and i'd be making faces and screaming and stuff Mm -hmm. the teachers would call me like what's going on my sister would tell them that i was having a panic attack Wow. That, it sh- that they needed to bring some water yeah. to calm me down. Oh, man. And she would sprinkle water on my forehead and said, I'll let you up when you calm down. Oh, man. And the teachers would stand there and let it happen. Dude, she had your number. <laughs> like, dude, it was bad. It was bad. But my, so my sister, I'm playing into her in her room. Long story short, she, like, shuts it off. Yeah. Get out of my room. And I'm like, no. And I turned it back on. It's the first time I was ever defiant towards my sister. Uh-huh. And she shoved me. And I shoved her back. And she ran out of the room, down the hallway. And the door's open. And her room is dead in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I said, get out of my room. And I'm like, no. And she just made this face, like gritted her teeth and come running, hauling ass down this hallway. Oh, man. As fast as she could Building run. Building up ahead of steam. Yes. <laughs> And I picked my leg, my knee up, uh-huh. and I'm standing on one foot, and I got my eyes closed and my head turned, <laughs> and I do this, oh my and I stick my fist out like this, yeah. 
and she ran right into my hand. Oh my goodness! I, my hand was out for a while. Oh, yeah. I didn't punch her. Uh-huh. I just was like ah, like that, and it hit her. I had my hand sideways like that. Uh-huh. Hit her in her nose and oh. her mouth. Oh my! I busted her top lip, her bottom lip, and her nose. Oh my goodness! With that shot, that one shot. <laughs> She ran out of the house, went to the neighbor's house, and uh-huh. called my mom on their their house phone. Yeah, and my mom had to leave work wow. and come home, and my sister had to have stitches in her mouth. And she told my sister told my mom that I punched her in the mouth. Mm-hmm. You did. I did not. Yeah, you did. And uh, did not. Your hand was out. There. Yeah, I was like that. But to it like it wasn't until like two years ago that she told mom of the truth. Really. Yeah. She held it against you that long? Like, for two years, oh, she was, she never, I was like, I did not hit her. Yeah. And I was like, you busted, you can't tell me you didn't punch her. Uh-huh. Her nose is busted. You hit her last week. Yeah. So I did punch her last week, and right. I told her I punched her I last week. I see a history developing. Yeah. yeah. And so the next time <laughs> that happened, uh-huh. I, there was no convincing my mother the truth mm-hmm. that I had my eyes closed, and I was, like, just trying to stop her. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, yeah. But to this day, my sister has never said a crossword mm-hmm. or tried to bully me or tried to do any of the stuff that she used to do to me. Until she sees this podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, I dealt with her doing that bullying me and stuff from me. And she's the only person that could get away with it yeah. that I wouldn't try to dismantle. That's because she's your sister. Yeah. And she was a woman, too. She's a woman, too. Yeah. So, um yeah, but I've seen I've seen women, I've witnessed women like being all in God's face yelling. And I think the police are the reason that they feel so safe to berate and treat men, and I think it's a society thing too. That way. Know, Jimmy, some women are just pure damn mean. Yeah? Yeah. See, I think some men are just pure mean. Well, yeah, I think I, it's a person thing, a people thing. People. I don't think it's a women or a man I, thing. I agree 100%. It's a people thing. It's a heart thing. But See, I, the reason I say women are mean, I'll share this real brief story with you. Used to, um, many moons ago, I actually worked in bars during a living, and that would entail anything from spinning records to security. Records? Yes, records. We had actual 33 vinyl, man. My man. So I'm you could go, hey, that's Yeah, you see me doing that. Um but anyway, I was in the booth. And you had your flower pants yeah, on, you and, know, just, and your your yeah, V-neck that's with right, your man. Disco, see sunshine in the boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mullet going and all. Nice. And uh, so here I am in the booth, you know, and and, and the bar's full, uh, every or the club, and um, yeah, everybody's having a great time. Dance floor's full, and we had radios, and so the bouncers had radio i could hear them what was going on and they had radio that one of the guys that came in that they needed to keep an eye on him not that he was causing any trouble but they somehow knew him anyway dude walks in sits down at the bar orders a drink he's sitting there just drinking his drink not bothering anybody you know i mean to look at it what was going on and 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 the situation you'd think just okay average fellow having a drink at the bar He's not sitting down 10 minutes. In walks this four-foot nothing brunette. She's stomping around the end of the bar, 
walks up to the barmaid or uh, barmaid's part on the bar and uh, orders a beer. Gets it unopened. I see where this is you going. You see where this is going? She takes this can of beer, shakes it up, walks around to this dude, pats him on the back of the shoulder, and comes around with a roundhouse and just knocks him flat cold. Slap off the stool. Come to find out that it was his wife, and they had been in an intense argument at home, and he left the house to get away from her. Came down to the club, got him a drink, and she follows, and she decides to put an end to it. <laughs> so yeah women can be mean <laughs> yeah that's great but um I, I don't know how you would handle a situation where someone's being violent and berating and yelling and other than walking away if you mm-hmm. can but when it comes down to someone putting your hands on you do you protect yourself and get in trouble or do you um allow it and maybe get hurt or do you allow it and you know continue to be harassed and mm-hmm. it's it's a tough tough thing it is a tough call and um you know i've always been of the um the belief or the mindset if they are putting their hands on you to neutralize it um and, and, I, and to the extent that it is neutralized and and you know that it doesn't go any further than that but how how do you like, I know I could take somebody down and hold them. Mm-hmm. I know that. But how do you do that? You know, like, how do you put your hands on? So what I'm, what I'm saying is, is you take your average, average man mm-hmm. and then you take your average um, lady or whatever. If you put her against the man, the common census among the majority belief system mm-hmm. is that the man is more powerful and stronger and whatever. And that's why the, that a woman is more feminine and more fragile. Not necessarily true. But that's what the common belief is. Mm-hmm. That's, where I'm, that's why I phrased it the way that I phrased it. Mm-hmm. Because that's not, I don't believe that's true, Mm-mm, by I the way. I know, I know women right now that you don't want to mess with Mm-mm. they will destroy you mm-hmm. like i know uh, i got fight a, dirty well no i got a friend named kelly mm-hmm. kelly i'm kelly shout out to kelly inman yeah like sorry about the cameras guys i got distracted but yeah kelly inman, like she will beat up 90 mm-hmm. percent of men like there's no doubt in my mind that she will she will whoop mm-hmm. 90% of men. There's no doubt in my mind. And then you got women that train jiu-jitsu that are just, they will destroy you mm-hmm. if you try to grab them and control them. Mm-hmm. But usually the women that can do those types of things are, aren't in your face yelling and screaming. Right. And you're talking about individual cases too. Mm-hmm. But I, And that's why I said I blame the cops earlier. And I, the, what I meant by that is they feel safe. Mm. You feel safe because if you touch me, you're going to go to jail. If you And I think that men these days, mm-hmm. I think that men these days are more verbal and more outspoken and more like, mm-hmm. you know, in your face because they don't fear repercussion mm-hmm. because you're going to get in trouble if you hurt them. And like when I come up, I didn't care about the police. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about going to jail because I honestly didn't care about myself. Mm-hmm. So... Me not caring about myself or my own personal health. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't care. 
You, you, you know what I'm saying? Right. You had no, your self-worth wasn't there where it should be or needed to be. And so, obviously, if you didn't care about your self-worth, no more, you're certainly not going to care about, about any someone else's. someone else's. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, if you tried me, mm-hmm. um, you had to back, you had to fight. Mm-hmm. You had to fight me. And, um, like, people when, um, people now, they, they like, mean each other. Mm-hmm. And they say stuff back and forth. And I notice it in, in my kids' classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're saying and doing these things towards each other. And I'm like, man, that would have never worked with me. Like, people joked and stuff, and they did your mama jokes and stuff when I was in school. But mm-hmm. nobody ever did that stuff with me a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I had, like, three friends that knew me well enough mm-hmm. that we could joke and not fight about it. Mm-hmm. Three, John and Brandon and Chris. That was uh, it. That was it. Anybody else, if they they said something like that to me, I'm like, well, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's time to fight. Like, I'd slap the shit out of somebody for talking to me. Like, if if some if I was one of these kids and the way they talked to each other, I would slap the shit out of them. Yeah. Like, and that's back then, not now. Right. But make that clear, I'm not smacking kids. Coaches down here smacking all the kids. Yeah, I'm not smacking <laughs> kids now. No, but I'm saying like back then, if one of my friends was to talk to me the way their friends talk to each other, yeah. like it's a different world. Oh, yeah, definitely. People don't, there's no, there's no standard of respect anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're not, they don't, they don't fear the repercussion of, like, what is this person going to do to me if I talk to them or treat them this way? Is, is, it, is, is it as much of a, a lack of fear of repercussion as it is maybe the, uh, a standard of acceptance, what people are allowing what or accepting? What people are allowing. That, and that's a, one of the principal rules of life mm-hmm. is people will treat you the way that you allow. Exactly. And I would never allow someone to talk to me or treat me the way that, that, that people in this day and age mm-hmm. with the social media and stuff – um, are talking to one another mm-hmm. and like I'm more laid back now than ever I don't let words bother me I don't fight over words mm-hmm. and I never really have mm-hmm. as long as you're not in my bubble you can sit over there and say whatever the hell you want to say how far does your bubble extend uh, as far as my foot will reach okay um, I say foot because yeah. it's a little bit longer than I hand. see that's good to know the moment that I feel unsafe and that's tw- 21 feet unless there's a table. In 21 us. feet, yeah. yeah. 21 feet's a good distance. Yeah, unless there's a table. Because I got a good time at 21 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 21 feet is my distance. Okay. But if there's a table, mm-hmm. then it, you know, then we're good. Like this, it would take you a lot longer to get to me right now. Mm-hmm. So you got a good distance. You can yell at me yeah. and say whatever you want. Okay. But if you're over here on this side of the table. Yeah. My, my bubble's a little bigger. I see. Your tolerance level goes down. Yeah. I got you. And I, I think that's uh, being aware of your surroundings and training. You have to be. But, dude, it, I, I just don't understand how people can allow the behavior that's being allowed to have this day and age. Because mm-hmm. when, I, when, I know it's like, when I was a boy, mm-hmm. but... People would smack the shit out of you for, for talking that way. Yeah, things were definitely different back then than what they are now. And there's no doubt about it. So I, I think that, and I, that's why I said I blame the police, because like they're going to show up and they're going to take the guy most of the time. They're going to take him to jail. If it's a if it's a between a lady and a man, mm-hmm. the, the guy's going to jail. Yeah. And I, that's 100%. Yeah, well, I, I've very I, here in Georgia, mm-hmm. I have witnessed this 
over a dozen times where the woman is the aggressor. I've personally witnessed where the woman is the aggressor. Mm -hmm. The guy does what he needs to do to de-escalate, to calm shit down so he's not getting slapped up in the face. And, and he stuff. still goes to jail. And he's the one that goes to jail. And I've witnessed that more than a dozen times. Yeah, I think you're on to something, but I disagree with a part of what you're saying. I don't think it's the the result of police action. It's why the way the women act, the way that they act. I'm not saying women. I'm saying and men people and women. In general, people, people in yeah. general. I'm um, attacking women. Right. Um, I think it has more to do with society and as a whole as what they have come to, what agendas they have pushed. In other words, activists and what things have been raised. Because even, you know, law enforcement was around, has been around as far as I know and can remember. I don't have an exact date when it began. But one thing I have seen and noticed is that there are a lot more of, a lot more media coverage, um, whether it be the like Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, what have you. Before that, it was CBS, NBC, Fox News, and, and so forth on the television. Um, but media coverage of these cases, say, for example, where um, a woman was killed by her husband. And now, all of a sudden, that's national headline. And now you have attorneys and you have uh, tagging on to this and lawsuits. And you have these activist groups that are pushing these agendas. And, and I think over time, that has changed people's perceptions and beliefs. Well, I, I want to cut you off on that because I have a, a, a good theory in this. Mm -hmm. And I think that at one point in time, it needed to be that way. Mm-hmm. Because men were just smacking at, right. smacking at women. There literally was a lot of And abuse. they treated them like second-class citizens. Right. And uh, that trickles over to a lot of other things mm -hmm. that I don't want to get into. Mm -hmm. But I think that it came about because of those instances that it shaped our opinions and our views of, like, men smacking women, men beating up women, and, like, you're going to make me a sandwich mm -hmm. type men. Mm-hmm. That I don't call those guys men, no. but I don't have another term for it right now. So well, that's who we're, what we're saying. Can we call but them fairies? fairies? Fairies. All right, there we go. Yeah. So these fairies, they uh, <laughs> they uh, were smacking these women, and then it, the time period called for that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the train started moving, mm -hmm. and it slowly gained more momentum. Mm -hmm. and more momentum and now how far has it gone to where it's on the other side of the aisle that's true i mean it's like anything that's on a pendulum it's going to swing to the other side right There's always an equal and opposite reaction right and now i think it's to the point to where it's so biased when it comes to that that there that auto there's an automatic um, automatic assumption mm-hmm that the man's in the wrong. Mm -hmm. There's an automatic assumption that right. the man is in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, he is. In mm -hmm. uh, other cases, like, he's not. Bill Burr has a really good skit about, um, about it, and I think it's funny. It's hilarious. Um, and, like, if you guys don't know who he is, he just makes fun of everything and, and raise women and and like all kind the whole nine years sexism all that like whole nine yard that dude is hilarious to me but he makes a, a good a good little joke about it and stuff but 
sometimes it's not really an issue that I think people should be joking about as as a whole, whatever. Mm-hmm. But my point is, is that now is the train has gone or the pendulum has swung all Too the way to the, the other other way. other way, and that's why I was saying I blame the police mm-hmm. because you should be able to look at a situation mm-hmm. and go, okay, what what actually happened here, and then. You know, in the very least, treat them both equally. Right. Oh, y'all were fighting? Mm -hmm. Well, if it was two guys fighting, both guys would go to jail. Go to jail, right. So let's take both of them to jail. Right. Uh, If the policing was more balanced, like, instead of judgment, Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, this is a law. Let's let's follow the law and let the judge sort it out. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe if they just crack down on everything to that point, like, Mm -hmm. write this ticket. Let the judge do it. Mm-hmm. Like, be more black and white with things. There wouldn't be as many issues with the law enforcement, period. And I, I can see your point with that. Um, and I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, that's what the laws obviously are written for. You know, this is, this is what it is. And so if there was that standardized or standardization, it, I think, makes the job much easier. And uh, like I said, that let the judge sort it out. I mean, obviously, he's there for a reason. Right. You know, and, and the peer, uh, jury of your peers. Um, but there's, again, it goes, tags back into what we had talked about earlier, that it's a human condition. And then more specifically, not just a human condition, because as you and I thought, there's good and bad and everything. Right. It's a heart condition. You know, it, anything that we deal with in, in civilian life or, or in our social lives. Uh, Second Amendment stuff, guns, for example. And I use that because it's something that I can readily call on. Um, people want to talk about banning this weapon or banning that weapon or banning, you know. The gun is not the problem. No. The problem is the one that is behind the trigger making poor choices. Yeah. You know, and right or wrong, whatever their condition of their heart is, you know, that's what's going to cause that action. Do you think our society now is is creating heart problems? Like, uh, not like not health heart, but... Right. Uh, you're talking about spiritual and emotional heart yes. issues. Um, our society has been creating a heart problem for quite some time, Jimmy. And I think what we're seeing now is nothing more than the result of that or the symptoms of it, um, beginning with things that we as a society have said, yes, this is acceptable. No, this is not acceptable in the school systems, all the way to home life, um, it's just things that have been boiling for a period of time and now it's finally starting to come to a head i think and so what we're seeing is again is just a symptom and and the problem with everybody's running around trying to treat the symptom they're not really wanting to get to the core cause of the problem the root of the problem so i have a a really good solution for a lot of the problems in that and that is Start cleaning up around your own house. Absolutely. Um, like this kind of what this gym is about mm-hmm. is about giving kids in my community a place to train, a place to learn, a place to make mistakes, a place to grow, mm-hmm. a place to um, understand value and learn life lessons. While feeling loved. Yes. And... I think that that is 
uh, I think that that is what needs to take place is if you see something wrong, if you see it, act on it. And um, I don't think that that uh, male, female, black, white, any color of the rainbow, whatever, you hear that speech all the time, but I don't think that that matters. I think that what matters is, is this person human? Mm -hmm. Is there wrong being done to this human? Mm -hmm. That's the person's side that I'm on. Right. When I see a wrong act uh, being taken place or a wrong act taking place, mm -hmm. I take that the side of righteousness exactly like what you just did was wrong mm -hmm. here's why what you just did was wrong here's what we need to do to not have that happen again mm -hmm. exactly. and when you take that approach mm -hmm. it eliminates separatism it, it eliminates trying to uh, point out something that could or could not be it eliminates it was but, this act right? Was this act wrong? Right. It's wrong. Okay, let's make this so we so this don't happen again. Yeah. Let's change people's hearts or change people's perspective or change uh, about this. Mm -hmm. This shouldn't be. And, and here's what's the here's the challenge about that. You know what you're saying. I agree with what you said a hundred percent. But what I see is the challenge to this is getting people to accept responsibility. Yeah, nobody wants to. Nobody wants, wants to, to say this is my fault. Exactly, because it, it's going to going to make them look bad, or they're afraid of what might be the repercussions from it, what mm -hmm. have you. Regardless, but here here's the deal, and and kind of tie this back into what we talked about earlier with concepts and principles and things of that nature, Jimmy. And you and I have had this conversation before. You recall the formula E E plus R equals O, the event plus the response equals the outcome. And so, you know, it's just like I'm having a bad day or a bad golf game, and I blame the golf clubs. I blame the, the uh, lack of rain and the green, greens are dry, or I blame the golf cart because it, the battery went dead and I had to walk back to the clubhouse. You can blame all of these other external factors or all these other external things, but you still, if you do not accept responsibility for where you are, and that's accepting 100% responsibility for where you are, what you do, or what you do not do, things are not going to change. So I read a book. I just let you talk the whole time while I was sitting there nodding on the wrong camera. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you, you were talking about accepting uh, responsibility or fault mm -hmm. and uh that's one thing that um accepting fault is one thing that i have tried to do in the last maybe four years mm -hmm. and um it has truly changed my life i don't know why i want to stay up i'm having trouble with it today but um it truly changed my life just going this is my fault yeah and i need to fix it uh, one of the life lessons that I give the kid is there are the kids in our program and I do this one every every few weeks mm -hmm. I'll bring it up because something will happen and then they'll throw a kid will throw a fit and they'll go he keeps doing that and I was like yeah and that gives you a right to act that way mm -hmm. 
And um, we talked, we hit on this a little bit earlier too. Like your response to um, whatever's happening is yours. Mm -hmm. No one can control your response. Right. Your response is yours. So when I realized that when I started accepting fault mm -hmm. for the things in my life, people were like, oh, well, it ain't your fault You're, you are where you are. It ain't your fault you are. I'm like, well. Yes, it is. It is. Mm -hmm. And when you when you start taking this approach and i've done it i don't I, I literally started taking this approach about three or four years ago mm -hmm. i experienced tremendous growth in my life mm -hmm. as far as financially mm -hmm. as far as friends as far as my business right. and as far as people because uh, no one wants to be around someone that oh I can't catch a break the world's against me oh, yeah. drives me nuts nobody wants to be be around that person but the person that's like oh man uh, this happened to me mm -hmm. and um, this happened here's what I'm doing to fix it right here's the solution you become proactive rather problem, than reactive a problem solver yeah. and uh, I find that the more problems you can solve and that you can solve for other people as well the more financially capable you become. Exactly. Because uh, it's like cutting grass. Mm -hmm. If you walk around a neighborhood and you see everybody's grass is tall and you say, hmm, I could get a lawnmower and start charging these people to cut the grass. Mm -hmm. well, you just solved a problem mm -hmm. for people. Now you, you make money doing it. That's right. And well, the bigger the problem, the faster you make it. Yeah. So you, uh, you find a big problem that everybody has, like a limitability or obscurity. Like nobody knows who Tech Center is. How do we do it? Well, a marketing company could come in and say, listen, man, um, if you give us a piece of the proceeds or whatever, we'll make your, your gym known this big or whatever. Like, Are you willing to pay for that service? And if it solves a big enough problem, if I can spend $100 and make 1000 I'd do that every time, every day of the week. You know? Really? Yeah, I do it every day. I do it spend 10 every to make minute. A thousand. There you go. We'll yeah. do that. I'll do that every day. <laughs> there you go. I'll spend a hundred to make a hundred and ten. Okay. I would. Yeah. Still cash flow. It's still still money, man. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, the obviously I want to spend one dollar and make a hundred dollars. Right. Spend one dollar and make a thousand dollars. I want that deal. Yeah. But if I can spend a uh, hundred dollars for a hundred and ten dollars, and I do that a hundred times, how many? How much more money did I just make? Mm -hmm. Like it, it adds up too, and if I could do that a million times, well, I just made ten million dollars. What if you could do it one time and make ten million? That's even better. That's even better, right? Yeah, and it, I would figure out how to do that <laughs> over and over again too. But that's my point: is once I started accepting responsibility and saying, "This is my fault. What do I need to do to change it?" Mm -hmm. Instead of looking around to blame somebody, and I used to do that, mm -hmm. and I, it was a habit. And my dad's gonna watch this podcast, but it was a habit I learned from my dad. Mm -hmm. My dad was the world's worst. Yeah. He would get caught drinking and driving and then have to go to DUI court and spend all this money. Mm -hmm. And it was a damn cop's fault. No, it was a cop's fault. It was yeah. a cop's fault. Yeah. And they, they're trying to take his livelihood. He mm -hmm. makes his living driving a truck. Mm -hmm. It was a cop's fault. Cop's fault. Yeah, because yeah, he was being, he just let him go home. He's just trying to get home. Right. And see, that's one of the, uh, actually one of the principles, if you read Jack Canfield's book, uh, Success Principles, that's, I believe, number one, except 100% responsibility. 
And when you do that, you know, you're right. Things begin to change phenomenally across the board, all areas of life. But it's also a hard pill to swallow, too. It is. It, it, it was for me. It is. For me, personally, the hardest, hardest part for me was understanding that I built the life that I was living. Mm-hmm. Like, that was so hard for me to understand because, like, uh, I grew up, my mom had lupus. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I had to work. I had to help my brother and sister, like, learn to be normal people. We grew up in a poor whatever Mm -hmm. and then like i immediately um got into a relationship with a with a lady that already had one kid Mm -hmm. and then like i was having to work and support and do and build that Mm -hmm. and me sitting down and realizing that i built that life that was the mindset you had at that time. But that I had to sit down and say, I built this life. Mm-hmm. And now that's my biggest lessons to kids today is like, guys, uh, how you're allowing people to treat you right now is you're teaching them how to treat you. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it. Like when mm-hmm. you ex- you're, you're keeping these people in your life. Mm-hmm. You're keeping these people that you're calling your friends in your life. You're surrounding yourself around people that have your same ideals right now, and you're not expanding. You're not. You have to accept that you are building your life. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing that, when I realized that, I said, "Man, this is my fault. Yeah. I'm not where I want to be because I didn't prioritize the things I needed to prioritize to reach goals to be where I wanted to be." Mm-hmm. And that was a hard reality when it hit, wasn't it? Man, it sucked. Yeah, it's terrible. And uh, but when I started doing that, even now when I get upset, I'll be mad and I want to blame people. Yeah. And then I'll go, "This is my fault." Mm-hmm. What could I have done? I, I should have paid attention to this. Mm-hmm. I should have paid attention to what was going on here mm-hmm. better. Right. And doing so, it puts the blame on me. So now it's a problem. That I need to be at better managing, better leading, better a better leader, at better at whatever, and it puts it on my shoulders to fix. Mm-hmm. And once I do that, and I relieved everybody else of all their responsibilities, and I put it on my own shoulders, where it belongs, it it makes the the out the the growth or whatever the the next steps. It makes them. Uh, easier to follow and easier to do mm-hmm. easier to find the problem mm-hmm. fix it so that we we're not holding up because if i say well yeah we we uh we keep getting on the off subject because you keep changing topics mm-hmm. or whatever then well it's my job to guide us back mm-hmm. and if i want to rant on this side or whatever then that's because of me i'm the one that should be guiding the conversation which in this case is open open mind we're talking about everything and it's not i'm not guiding it one way or the other Mm -hmm. but that that's my point is that if the podcast was going in a direction that i don't like that's my fault right and it's my job to identify that and fix it Mm -hmm. i'm rambling about this a little bit but i that's when i experienced the most growth in my entire life that's why i'm rambling on it for everybody in the world out there because i experienced the most growth when i realized it was a problem in how i was looking at the world right and that goes back to cleaning up around your, your own house. Mm-hmm. 
and that goes around to being a good leader for your family and for the people that you have impact on tech center is a village mm -hmm. and i am at the head of tech right and it's my responsibility to guide my community and help my community um understand how to be better people and understand how to grow and how to be better productive members of their community and their society and how to treat one another it's my job so as the have, head so you have to not only accept responsibility for yourself and your actions but you have to accept responsibility for your staff entire staff and their actions or lack thereof right right and i know you have to do that at your mm -hmm. at your business as well mm -hmm. so. But anyway, we done went on tangents about um, about um, law enforcement, uh, purse concealed carry, jujitsu, uh, the principles of life about owning responsibility, saying it's your fault, uh, principle of life, um, several principles of life actually. Um, uh, man, we we talked about farms training, jujitsu principles of life what else we talk about uh we covered a pretty broad gamut today man i, I love it now and i could talk to you for hours yeah. uh i know we got things to do today so mm -hmm. we're, we're gonna get out of here um the one thing that i will say is if you didn't want someone doing this to you don't do it to someone else mm -hmm. treat people as you would want to be treated um golden rule if you see wrong if you see something wrong, take the side of the person that's wronged, help correct it, make it right. That doesn't mean necessarily taking action and being all outspoken. It means saying, hey, we're on your side. We see what's going on. Regardless of the sides, regardless of sex, regardless of skin color. How about let's just be objective and look at the facts for what they are? Yeah, that seeing when you see wrong, you know, um, you see is don't buy into someone else's narrative of what it is mm -hmm. yeah be objective i get that yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um I, I really want to hammer that home in uh in there is like if i seen a dude being assault assaulting anyone a woman a man someone else mm -hmm. and i'm gonna step up and, and get that person from do, from assaulting or from hurting the other person mm -hmm. regardless of side who is right and wrong right. i'm gonna i'm gonna step up and do that same thing with women if i see a woman assaulting a man or whatever i'm gonna step up and say hey let's chill out mm -hmm. because wrong is wrong exactly and if you look at it as a heart situation as when you see wrong call it wrong mm -hmm. point it out mm -hmm. all across the board whether it's in law enforcement whether it's in anything mm -hmm. Like, whatever it is, call it out. Just say, hey, that's wrong. Right. You don't have to be, you don't have to, to, to be um, aggressive mm -hmm. with it. Just say, hey, we see you, we hear you, we know, like, that was wrong. Mm -hmm. here's, here's what we're going to do to try to fix the future. Right. And, uh, Integrity. Yeah. When you do that and you do it around your own home and around your own village or around your own town you start changing other people people that aren't verbal people that aren't outspoken you start changing them and those subtle changements will change the future and you know what's very what's interesting about 
all of our conversation. Like I said, we've rambled or, or gone down rabbit holes, talked about a lot. But really, when you boil it all down and to what it is, the very essence, that's what we've been discussing, is the essence of a true leader. Calling it right for right, wrong for wrong, being objective, having that character and that integrity, and doing the right thing when nobody's looking, or even when they are looking. You know, regardless of what, what the situation is, male, female, you know, white, black, yellow, purple, doesn't matter. But being a leader, and yes, you have to be a leader of your own self first before you can lead others. And, um, you know, I think that's where you talk about where we are as a, a country right now and, um, you know, are we fostering a heart condition? And no, it's just people haven't been accepting and responsibility and stepping up and taking responsibility for themselves and, and leading themselves in a positive way. And until they do that, they're certainly not going to be able to lead anybody else. I agree 100% with what, what you're saying. And I think that I think that a lot of our leaders and I put that in quotes. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of our leaders um are not doing a good job of speaking for the the majority. I think that a lot of leaders are not speaking for the majority because I think there's more common ground than there is uncommon. I think that common ground don't get headlines. Common ground don't get the wow effect. Common ground don't get um, common ground don't get uh, common ground don't make money. Right. It don't get clicks. Mm -hmm. It don't get. advertising dollars it don't get it don't create that you know that excitement or that Mm -hmm. that feeling inside you to make someone want to uh to click on your video or your uh, you know your to hear you speak because a lot of times people are clicking it to disagree exactly they want to say what do i disagree with him about Mm -hmm. or what do i agree with him about and when you get that click, there's a view. And when you get that view, their their advertising just got paid. Mm-hmm. And and when people start realizing, like CNN, Fox, and all these news channels are just about ratings and are just about getting clicks and getting their ad, their partners' money, mm-hmm. ad partners and partners' money, they'll stop listening to all of that crap and start being objective and saying, what have I experienced personally? Mm-hmm. What do I actually see around me? Mm-hmm. And when they start doing that, I think, think, I think eventually we're gonna, people are going to start unplugging a little bit more. I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, man, I'm just sick of all the drama and all the this, and they're going to unplug. That's what I've done. I haven't watched the news. I haven't watched the news in probably two years. And the only thing I subscribe to right now is science. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I, I subscribe to: jujitsu stuff, mm-hmm. uh, MMA stuff, and science. Yeah. I I do not subscribe to any of that other mess because it it would, I from my personal experience, it would draw a feeling out of me mm-hmm. and make me want to um, debate. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I and I agree with that. I mean, I haven't watched news for quite some time as well, and. Uh, 
general uh, television. I don't watch very much of it, if any. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm taking it even um, one step further, and where I'm trying to really. Um, take back or really cut uh, like facebook dude i don't even scroll like i got to where um i have a few people that i actually follow Mm -hmm. and um i i will post my stuff and like go live and do those things i will post those things and i will interact with a a few people and then i'm done Mm mm-hmm because I would waste a whole day scrolling. Oh, yeah. And then I, I have a bad habit of going to comments, which is stupid. <laughs> Get you in trouble. Yeah. You go to the comments <laughs> and then you start seeing these things. And like I said, I troll people. Yeah. So you would see three or four comments of me going against. I'd be for one person and against another one, but then I'm against that person, which yeah. is the same thing the other person was for. Right. And people are like, what do you stand for? Yeah. And, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> honestly, I think you're both right. Yeah. Or I think you're both wrong in a way. Uh-huh. But I think you're both right. And I think that if you guys stop yelling at one another, if you would stop, stop trying to listen to respond and listen to receive. Exactly. Um, you would realize that you guys probably have a lot more in common than you do, um, than you, you, you than you're fighting or arguing about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and once you realize that, like, oh, this, he don't completely disagree. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a conversation, and once it becomes a conversation, then shit gets moving, exactly. and it changes for the better. Then it goes back to what we started out with: emotion and reason can't occupy the same space because they're all emotional. Choose now, my side. Choose yeah, my side. Choose my side. <laughs> and the uh, the cool thing about what I do with my friends, my and most of my friends realize this now. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's fun. But what most of them. Uh, what most of my friends realize is like I do have a core set that I will not bend or budge on. Yeah. But everything else is up for for grabs. The rest of it's yeah. game. <laughs> like if it if you tell me who your favorite fighter is, I'm yeah. gonna give you thirty billion reasons why he sucks. I know, right? But yeah. if you tell me who That's why it's George yeah. <laughs> George Bulldog. Yeah. That yeah, Alabama yeah. he's an Alabama, Alabama. fan. Oh, yep. Oh, yep. See. Alabama right. fan right here. Let, let's, right. let's put that there. Yeah, get out and enlarge that. By the way, Father's Day gift for my daughter. Yeah. yeah and her special man. Hey. <laughs> but, so, I'm a Bulldog fan. Ask me. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you are. You're an uh, instigator. I'm a Georgia Bulldog <laughs> fan because he's an Alabama I'm fan. An Alabama fan. Now, if I was an Auburn Tiger fan, you'd probably be an LSU fan. Uh, LSU is the best football team on the planet. Of course, according, <laughs> according to the Cajuns. <laughs> uh, and, like, you got the Florida Gators, and then I'm a Georgia fan because the Gators hate Georgia, Florida, whatever. But if you're a Georgia fan, then I'm a Florida Gator fan. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> they have a word for that, don't they? Uh, was it a traitor? Yeah. Uh, wagon jumper? Oh, you know, there's a couple words then. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I've never – I've actually, I was going to say never mm-hmm. – I've watched one football game my whole life. It was a Georgia-Florida game at my friend uh, Mr. Jim's house. Oh, man. If you are going to watch a game, at least it could have been an Alabama game. Eh, Georgia. It had to be Georgia. <laughs> They're the greatest team ever. <laughs> Depends on your perspective. Yeah. I'm a Georgia boy. I got to go for Georgia, right? Oh, yeah. Well. Oh, man. 
damned old Alabama. I know. Right? That's why they're going to lose this year over and over again. Over and over. Well, <laughs> and if we do, that'll be the first time in history. They're going to lose so bad this year, they're going to change their name. What they going to change their name? I don't to? know, but they're going to make them change their name. They say, you can't even claim Alabama no more. You might be. They're right. gonna take the A out of their name. Well, like they're just gonna be Bama. Bama. Well, well, they're Bama now. Alabama. <laughs> Not gonna be much different. Alabama. Yeah. With an L. Alabama. Alabama. Oh, that's Alabama. Alabama. Hey, but that, my friends that know me know that I I don't I don't take anything to heart. I just I just argue devil's advocate yeah. most of the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, life's too short to take all this junk seriously. Some people are wound way too tight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tighter than a watch frame. But, man, I enjoyed it so much. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to have you on again because um, um, we, we just got so much to talk about. We kind of just bounced around on this one. But, man, it is. I think what we talked about was important, about gun training, firearms training, life principles, uh, taking care of your own, taking responsibility for what's going on in your life. Um, you know, trying not to be that person that's nagging another person, being in their face, uh, being disrespectful. Uh, be respectful, guys. Treat each other with kindness. Um, if you just treat one another with kindness and, and listen to actually hear and instead of listening to respond, the world as a whole would be better off absolutely that's just my opinion absolutely this was tech talk with Stephen grantham jimmy barnett man you guys have